is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, you know, we never got to the Mark Emery story last night, and I sold it all night long as though we would do that, and I, I promise you I'll do my best to get to it here tonight. First, we're going to go to Cameron, though. He's in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Hello, Cameron. Hey, guys. How are you tonight? Hey, what's on your mind, Cameron? I have two related topics here, public libraries and public transportation, specifically Amtrak. Which oh, dear. I, I guess it's public. I mean, it's not... I mean, it's owned by the U.S. government, and our tax yeah. money goes to fund it. Right. It's public so like the uh, like the post office is public. The post office is public, but actually the post office, from what I understand, doesn't use taxpayer money. Is it? I, uh, I no, that it's, it's my understanding the post office, and I'm no expert, but maybe somebody who is can call us and clarify. But it's my understanding the post office uses government taxpayer dollars to fund its pensions, uh, whereas it is covering much of its costs from a postage. If you uh, go to start startpage.com and you search uh, post office and Cato Institute, you will come up with a great article on all the funding that that the federal government is currently giving the post office, which uh, is this sub quasi uh, you know private organization. So, so its operating costs are funded by themselves, but the paying the people is actually funded by us. It, I, 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 I can't come off the top of my head Maybe. with it um, right now because I just I don't remember everything about uh, what the article said, but I remember it was damning. Uh, well, they are not operating uh, in the black. Yeah, their, their uh, pensions uh, are definitely uh, government. They get all kinds of benefits in the area of, of uh, b- buildings and uh, rent, so they're not private. Okay. Well, uh, well, let's start with the post office thing. I um, I run a trivia game uh, Wednesday nights here in Philly at a bar, and mm-hmm. I, I write the trivia and I have the answer sheets. And I don't have a printer; my printer's broken. I can't really afford a new one. So when I go to print stuff, I go to the library to do it because it's right up the street. Okay. It's easy. I can walk up there. Now, the public library obviously funded with taxpayer money, and I don't agree with that. But I go use the library because you know you get the book out for free, and they're already taking your money, so might as well take advantage of you it. Might you might as well. Yeah. So I go to print, and I have to pay 25 cents a page to print. <laughs> oh, and it 20. occurs to me, wow. it occurs, yes, 25 cents a page. And it occurs to me that my taxpayer money bought the ink, bought the paper, bought the computers, bought the printer. Why do I have to pay again for something I've already paid for? Because you will. <laughs> I know. I, well, unfortunately, I, I prefer to go to Kinko's, actually, but it's too I far bet. away and I don't have a car. So. That's why you'll pay um, 25 cents, because you're there and you don't want to go anywhere else. Right, and, and they don't have any incentive to compete in the marketplace of printing out pieces of, of paper. Now, I'm not, I mean, I'm saying, you know, if I wanted to, I guess I could have gone to Kinko's. Again, it's far away, I don't have a car, and to get there I'd have to take public transportation, which is the next thing I want to get into. All right, sure. So down by the way, just by the, before have, you go on, Cameron... Uh, we have mentioned in the past there are such things as as private libraries out there. So for those oh, people, I know, that, I know, I know. I don't know if there are around here. I I haven't looked to be honest. But I don't believe there are very many rare birds. <laughs> right, but for those right. people who believe that this is one of those things that government must do, it's just not the case. Pro- private libraries absolutely can be done and done very well. Anyway, go ahead with your thoughts. So for public transportation here now down here in Philly in the and in, in the suburbs uh, we have. SEPTA, the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority, and, and SEPTA is notorious. They, they use uh, public 
money. They're always cutting service but increasing fares. They've, they're operating in the red for years. They have labor problems. They're always late. They're terrible. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't have a car. Again, I can't afford one. And if I can, I will walk or take my bike or get a ride from somewhere to get ride from someone to get somewhere. Now, sometimes I just can't. I don't have a choice. And cabs are well, they're more expensive than taking the public transportation. Sure. So I take the public transportation sometimes. Now. Same goes for Amtrak. If I can, I will get a ride somewhere or I'll fly somewhere, but sometimes it's just less expensive to take Amtrak. If I'm going to Washington, D.C. or something, for me at least, it's less expensive. Understood. Okay. So I was on Amtrak the other day, and I thought about this. All of a sudden, Amtrak and SEPTA, they're taking my money. They're, they're operating using taxpayer money. Yet to ride Amtrak, you have to pay, you know, 80 bucks to ride SEPTA. i got to pay... Four bucks to get downtown. Yeah, maybe it's cheaper than flying and cheaper than taking a cab, but I've already paid for it. I'm paying the salaries. I'm paying for the trains. I'm paying for the upkeep and my taxes. Why do I have to pay again? You know what, Cameron, I think you should do? You should go to your representatives and complain about this. Get them to change the laws. Because that'll work. (laughs) I'm going to say to them, I think you should give me free tickets every day for the rest of my life because my tax money's paying for it, so why should I have to pay a fare? But no, of course. And no one brings this up. No one notices this. No one, you know, in all the complaints that my friends and I lodge about SEPTA, no one ever brings up, we're paying for it in taxes, but we have to pay again with tickets? What well, the hell is that? Seriously? I guess what their claim would be is that if you didn't have the ticket payment uh, costs, that the taxes would be more expensive. So they would just vice versa. Right, right. Right. So that would be what they would say to you if you brought right. that up. Right. And there's no way that they can raise the, uh, the, the ticket price to what it takes for the government to run a business because no um, one will pay it. Right. No if, one will pay you. Right. <laughs> it really sucks because if I didn't have to, if I had a car, if I could afford a car or – you know, if there's if I there's if I could go further on my bike than where I can go, you know, that's limited, and I wouldn't have to use this. Unfortunately, I can't. I don't have a choice, and that really sucks. But it it it, it really got me going. How much they screw you over? I can't believe it. I'm paying taxes, and I'm paying a ticket, and on top of that, both SEPTA and Amtrak now have what they call the quiet car. You're not allowed to talk on the quiet car. Really? So wait, I'm, I'm paying taxes, and then I'm paying with a ticket. And then I get on this poorly marked uh, Amtrak quiet car where some poor guy in the back having a hushed conversation with his wife on a cell phone gets screamed at by another passenger because this is the quiet car. Wow. So I'm paying doubly for this and then being told you, right. you can't use your cell phone, you can't talk to the person next to you. Also, what I want to know is how many other passenger rail lines are there in America? I, I believe there from what I understand, there are none. No, I, from what I understand, there's not really any. They they all merged into Amtrak, and there are pa- there are private rail companies who own stock in Amtrak, but mm-hmm. they don't. They might operate. I think they operate freight. They, they right. don't operate passenger. And it's funny. They actually they own stock in Amtrak, but they don't actually get any money out of it. But they refuse to sell their shares for whatever reason. Hmm. I wonder what the story is behind that. I wonder if it is is similar to what might happen with the healthcare situation, where the government may create some sort of government option and then eventually just slowly oh, absorb yeah, right. all of the other uh, the I, I, insurance companies. I believe companies. that's what happened with Amtrak. It was an option if you want to join up with us, you can. And then it kind of became. More and more, well, you don't really have a choice. Well, how do you compete? We're going to put you out of business. But, but the, how do you compete? I mean, you, you've got Amtrak know, that is, as you say, subsidized. And if you're in the marketplace trying to compete in the marketplace, you don't have that benefit of subsidies. So, it's therefore, true. it's just a matter of time before they, they 
roll over top they of had, you. They had bought up, because if you read, like I don't know a lot about railroads, but if you read about a lot of the old famous trains, like the Silver Star, which ran New York to Miami, or the city of New Orleans, which was Chicago to Louisiana, those are all now rail lines on Amtrak. They used to be private companies or lines owned by private companies, mm. but they all get taken into Amtrak, and they still use the old name. So it's certainly – I don't think there are any other passenger – Wow. I mean, there, there might be a, one somewhere for, like, the novelty of it, but I don't think, I don't yep. think there's anything major. I've never heard of it. I, I would love to know no. if there are any competitors to Amtrak as far as passenger rail is, is concerned, but I, I've never I, heard I don't it. think so, and I think they, they must own the, the railroad, too, so they probably don't allow anyone else mm. to be on it for passenger purposes. And now I've read that they've recently wanted to get into freight, so the freight companies oh, better watch out. Oh, well, you know, the good thing is it's not – when it comes to competing with the government, you can still compete. Obviously, UPS and FedEx – uh, have been able to compete effectively with the post office, but you still have to pay far more. You're paying actual market rates sure. with UPS They're and They're offering only premium services. Right. Um, and mm. I, the premium service uh, for passenger rail already exists. We call them aeroplanes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they... Uh, Passenger passenger rail just you know it's not going to happen. I mean, some, sometimes it's cheaper to take a plane. If I go to visit my parents back home in in Massachusetts, I fly from Philly to Providence and back for a cheaper rate and yes. a quicker time than it would be to take the train. But to hop one of those those shuttle and like there's buses like I can take a bus I can actually take a bus up to New York for cheaper, which I do. But to get to like DC, I'd have to go on a bus. I'd have to go there and yeah, to New York and then suck. back down. Uh, they they are bad. Uh, thank you for the call, Cameron. I appreciate it. Thank I you, share guys. your frustration. I understand where you're coming from, but hey, what do you do, right? They've got the monopoly, and they've got the guns, and uh, they're, they're going to keep running it until it runs into the ground, which, as long as they can keep extracting money from you, it won't. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Toll House Morsels. There are a million reasons to bake with Toll House. Find yours at VeryBestBaking.com. A balanced diet is important, but so is the occasional treat. Working with your kids to bake a dessert from scratch helps them to appreciate it even more, and it keeps them from resenting having to eat their veggies every other day. Plus, baking is a perfect excuse to spend time with your kids, since just being together is a treat. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-259. 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1 800 259 9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features and they're all free, including live streams, a broadband version, dial up version, even a webcam. You'll find it all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Now's the time to. Now's the time that you and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. You can secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course, plus get a 30-state concealed weapons permit, as well as a free handgun. If you go to FrontSight.com today, that's FrontSight.com. All right, so here is the story about Mark Emery from the Vancouver Sun as found over at CannabisCulture.com. We've had Mark on the show. He is the self-proclaimed, or I don't know if he actually call, coined this term. I think the media might have, but he's the Prince of Pot. Mark Emery is one of the most wanted men in the, uh, around the globe by the United States government, and they finally have him. The DEA has been wanting to get him in a cold cage for a long time, and they finally succeeded 
and he has turned himself in for a five-year prison sentence in the United States for the horrible, horrific crime of selling seeds. Yeah, if I'm clear on this, and I think I am, this would be a federal this is federal time, and federal time, from what I can tell, is an 85% sentence. And, uh, Meaning he'll have to serve 85%, 85% of his time at the minimum uh, for you know uh, five years, so mm-hmm. four and a half years. It's a long time. Yeah, the, the man is 51 years old. We've had him on the show in the past a few times to talk about his situation. Uh, he was living in Vancouver, operating his business there, Cannabis Culture Magazine. It's now an online publication, which you can get free, of course, at CannabisCulture.com. Uh, it's good, good stories. Uh, they've got good reporting going on there. Great stuff. And he is a really stand-up guy, a liberty-oriented dude. This guy is, uh, Mark Emery, is much more than just a marijuana advocate, but that's what certainly he specializes in. Uh, he's uh, he's well-trained. Uh, I think he read lots of Rothbard and Rand and stuff like that when he was uh, when he was growing up. So well-trained as far as his liberty cred is concerned. And it's just sad to see this uh, this happen to a good man who never harmed another person in his life, always did his uh, ran his business honestly, poured his profits back into the movement. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't get really wealthy off of this. He probably could have, but he reinvested his profits into what he was doing to help get the word out about decriminalization or legalization of marijuana. And now, uh, because of his efforts, he's been targeted. And they targeted him years ago, and this has been a long time in the process, this whole process of him being arrested by the Canadians and the Canadians looking to extradite him to the United States. So instead of protecting supposedly one of their own, right, you know, they're supposed to protect you as a citizen. Isn't that the whole deal with being a citizen, that you get protection in return? Oh, wait, the Supreme Court has determined that they don't offer, they don't have to offer you any protection. In fact, they have no obligation to protect you in any way, shape, or form. So the Canadians obediently uh, decided to turn Mark Emery over to the United States and the Vancouver Sun reports that this uh, Canada's self-proclaimed Prince of Pot was escorted out of B.C. Supreme Court and into jail on Monday to await extradition to the United States, where he's to serve up to five years in prison for shipping marijuana seeds across the border. Oh. Mark Emery, who's 51, was indicted in 2005, so it took them four years to finally get to the point of locking him up along with two associates on drug and money laundering charges stemming from a lucrative mail-order pot seed business run out of Emery's Vancouver book and paraphernalia shop, which also doubled as B.C.'s Marijuana Party headquarters. Two charges Emery faced, conspiracy to distribute marijuana and conspiracy to engage in money laundering, were dropped in exchange for his guilty plea on the charge of conspiracy to manufacture marijuana. He's agreed to a five-year imprisonment plea bargain in connection with his $3 million a year marijuana seed catalog business, where most of his customers were American. Canadian authorities drew criticism for helping the U.S. nab Emery because he openly participated in an operation that drew little heat in Canada. In fact, Emery would point out, if he were on the phone with us, uh, that he, play- he even paid taxes all of those years. He was The, the Canadian government was benefiting from his marijuana seed sales, from his $3 million a year business, the Canadian government was getting a cut. So even though he paid them off, even though he paid the mob, they didn't protect him when the time came. Because they could have come out and they could have said, you know, Mr. Emery is an upstanding member of uh, Canadian society. He's paid uh, his taxes. Not that I think that makes you upstanding. I think that actually probably a little more upstanding if you don't pay taxes and you're honest uh, and upfront about it. But, uh, you know, from their perspective, he's upstanding. So they would say, you know, Mr. Emery is an upstanding member of the Canadian society, and this is outrageous. We will not participate with this extradition. He will remain a free man. 
I mean, he paid them probably hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in taxes. A lot of good it did him, huh? Same thing with you, by the way. If you've paid all kinds of money into the system, it won't do you a damn bit of good if they decide to come after you for something. So, True. He, uh, the story goes on. He was convicted in Canada of selling pot seeds in 1998 and given a $2,000 fine. Emery's two associates, Michelle Rainey and Gregory Williams, were recently sentenced in the United States to two years probation for conspiracy to manufacture marijuana as a result of a plea deal. And, of course, as you know, what normally happens is they hit you with all kinds of charges. In this case, he was facing three charges. They dropped two of them in return for his plea of guilty. So it never went to trial. Yeah, and, and let's and let's not forget that uh, he was he was uh, the, the United States government was threatening a bunch of his his family and his mm-hmm. associates, so he felt like he had to take the hit for these people. As Emery left the tiny courtroom, right, because they would have perhaps gone harder on everybody else if he yeah. hadn't gone along with the the scam. That's the trick. As Emery left the tiny courtroom, his wife Jody gonna make you a deal who, you can't refuse. By the way, is on our shrine of female listeners, very lovely lady. Uh, his wife Jody wept in the public gallery while a crowd of the Cannabis Crusaders followers chanted "Free Mark Emery." As he was led away, he yelled, "I love you, Jody Emery. Plant the seeds of freedom. Overgrow the government." Emery will be held for 30 days to give him time to appeal, and then once the federal justice minister has signed the removal order, Emery will be handed over to the United States. I love that word, minister, yeah. finance minister, government minister. Uh, uh, is this a religion or what? It, it is a religion, Wayne. It is. It sounds like but, it. Well, no, it is a, a religion because you have to believe in something absolutely fantastic to believe in this in their little system. It's a total, totally faith-based situation. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having faith in certain things if you believe you're benefiting from it, but you don't benefit from the government. You don't benefit from this religion. This is one that hurts you year after year, tax after tax, regulation after regulation. But you do have to be a believer in the state in order to go along with this stuff, at least to go along with it happily. I mean, you can understand that the state is really nothing more than men and women doing violence, at the, uh, doing uh, business at the threat of violence, and that if you decide you don't want to go along with their rules, that uh, you don't agree to their diktats, that they'll use violence on you, as they've done here with, uh, with Mark Emery. And you really have to be a believer to believe that what the state's doing is right, to believe that what the state is, has done to Mark Emery and has done to millions of Americans and people around the world, locked them in a prison cell because they had a plant or a seed or, or a chemical, to believe that it's right to do something like that. You really have to be a, 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 essentially a, a zealot, a zealotous believer in, uh, in what the state does. So it is very fantastic. Well, you know, you know, really, in reality, though, and we all know the sense behind legalizing this stuff, but if the narco-dollar system were to collapse, if everything were to become legal, goodbye economy. That's what, they're, that's what they fear. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. He's hoping that he'll be able to allow, uh, be allowed to serve out part of his time back home in Canada Of course, as we learn more about Mark's situation, we'll bring it to you here. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola, and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing the toll-free number. Brought to you by SACL CAI. It is 1-800-259-9231. That's 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. They include... The updates, you can get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Just talking to a friend today about uh, you know, the purchasing of gold and silver, and I really do think that silver's poised to make a, uh, to make a run um, and, and go up quite a bit because it's, it's amazing how much is getting used in industrial purposes. Silver is getting used a heck of a lot more than gold is, and, and they're not reclaiming it really from those industrial purposes. Mark's predictions may or may not reflect reality. That that much is true. If you want to get some silver to uh, make a hedge against infl- inflation, uh, Free Talk Live has an opportunity for you. Just go to silver.freetalklive.com, and uh, we I, we have a couple of uh, options there. The Lakota Nation's Silver Round for $22.30 for an ounce, and the... Uh, walking Liberty half dollar for nine, just under nine dollars, and you can go there and uh, get those. I just uh, heard the prices today for somebody who was uh, selling uh, Walking Liberty halves, and I'm, I'm I would imagine they were probably in better shape. That these are basically uh, you know usable currency that they were selling them for eighteen dollars. So you can get them for half that nine bucks uh, at silver.freetalklive.com. All right, we're going to continue here and move into healthcare because well, it's on a lot of people's minds. And, of course, a lot of people have no idea what exactly is being proposed out there, uh, they, or at least what the, the solution should be. They, they know that the government has some, uh, some suggestions as to what might be happening, but there's nothing that's really been nailed down, I don't think, at, at this point, beyond the fact that some people want to have a government option in the insurance um, business, and then there are all kinds of other, uh, I guess, ideas on the table about a co-op from the Republicans. So, you know, the Republicans aren't really proposing anything freedom oriented. Right. They're just proposing just another a modified step. Yeah, just another plan. Yeah, another step on the uh, road to big government. This, however, You've this got a story about yeah, this. This right? article is from the New York Times and this is kind of about the clash between state governments and their sovereignty and the federal government and it's over this healthcare issue. Uh, from the New York, New York Times, uh, in more than a dozen state houses across the country, a small but growing group of lawmakers is pressing for state constitutional amendments that would outlaw a crucial element of the health care plans under discussion in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. the requirement that nearby, um, nearly everyone buy insurance or pay a penalty. That's one of the, the, the plans. Medical fascism. Yeah, and, and, and from what I can tell, completely unconstitutional. Approval of the measures stop them in the past. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Approval of the measures the uh, lawmakers suggest would set off a legal battle over the rights of states versus the right of the federal power. Now you know that there were there were several states that went red even in this most recent election. Obama wasn't uh, elected like uh, Reagan was with a landslide. So uh, not everybody's on Obama's side on this, especially the state legislators. That's why you've had so much Tenth Amendment talk. Mm-hmm. And um, some states are going to be able to pass something that says we're not going along with this uh, national health care bull crap. And I'm really interested in what's going to happen here. So uh, approval for the measures lawmakers suggest would uh, set off a legal battle over the rights of states versus the reach of federal power, an issue that is for some central to the current health care debate, but also one that has tentacles stretching into many other matters, including education and drug policy. Of course. 
Opponents of the measures and some constitutional scholars say that the proposals are mostly symbolic, intended to send a message of political protest and have little chance of succeeding in court over the law run. Because the federal government's just going to basically say in their courts, well, you know, this is nice that you states think that you can do this, but we say you can't. I don't think that that would happen. I really don't. I think that these these experts that are saying that are scared out of their skins, and that's why they're saying it. Well, what makes you think the federal judges are going to rule in favor of the states? Uh, It's it's happened many times in the past. Has it? Yeah. I mean. You know, I I understand where you're coming from, but these federal judges, what what's their you know what's their motivation for ruling? Power. What they're going to get a higher seat? I don't know if they do if they do. Yeah, absolutely, that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. If they do favors for the executive branch, they could uh, increase their chances of uh, being appointed to. They such could things. go to some state government and get a high appointment there. I mean, you know, what, what's the difference between saying being an appeal a federal appeals court um, or a state supreme court justice? The money's better at the federal level. Probably. Payoffs come in all all forms. I appreciate your optimism, Mark. We'll find out. But they acknowledge that the measures could create legal collisions that will be both expensive and cause delays to health care changes and could be a rallying point for opponents in the increasingly tense debate. This does head us for a legal showdown, says Christy Herrera, or as Ian would say, Herrera. <laughs> Herrera. Yeah, I don't roll my R's now. An official at the uh, American Legislative Exchange Council, a group in Washington that advocates limited government and free markets, that earlier this month offered guidance to lawmakers in more than a dozen states in a conference call on the state amendments. So far, the notion has been presented in at least 10 states, though it has already been rejected or left behind in committees in some of them. Lawmakers in four other states have said they will soon offer similar measures as um, in what has grown into a coordinated effort in resistance. Arizona, which has uh, placed the amendment on the ballot in 2010, seems to be the furthest along. It'd be relatively easy to do in Florida, too. Here in Minnesota, as many of the other states, uh, the move to amend the state constitution has been being driven by a handful of Republican lawmakers. The proposed amendment itself does not advocate some particular alternative plan, but sets what is authors um, is what its authors see as ground rules for what any future health care system should and should not include. So, what does that mean? Well, I mean, they're just they've they've got their little version of whatever government you know, intervention in healthcare mm-hmm. is supposed to look like. So they're basically saying, you can't do this, federal government. No public option. what? But we won't go along. This is our state. Okay. This is the 10th Amendment issue. Stick so what is the state? Uh, right. So if the state is saying they won't go along, how does that actually play out in reality? What does that mean? How, how are the states, is it that the, the states are getting money from the federal government to subsidize their state Medicare programs? Is that... What they're not going to go along with, because they're still going to want the money from the feds. So, what are they not going to go along with? I guess is what I'm wondering. It well, sounds nice on its face, if, but I'm just if wondering Obama what... has, um, you know, some mandate that you have to get insurance if you live in the United States for health care, mm-hmm. and you live in Arizona, where this is one of these proposals is going through, then in Arizona, the the politicians would tell the people, you do not have to do this. Now, the mm-hmm. federal government very may very well pull some funds away from their Medicare. Sure, you they know, can pull funds from all kinds of stuff. and all kinds of things. Right, right. So, well, a lot of states maybe will gain the impotence to kick the federal habit and not need their money. In fact, in New Hampshire, I know that we all give more money to the federal government than we get back. 
there are donor states, as they are called. Yes. Uh, that yes, uh, where there's there there are certain receiver states and donor states. Receiver states. I don't get take this receiver state thing um, because the federal government has to take a slice off of all the taxes that they receive, and I find it very difficult to imagine that too many states are actually getting more money than they're paying in. I don't know. It's just what I've heard. I've, I've heard it. I've, I've heard it, but it's just hard to, to imagine. I would say that the uh, the receiver state is Washington D.C. But this is the new math, though, you know, you, <laughs> because don't forget they can print money and give it to their favorite states, too. That's true. That's true. It's not based on, on what right. the states pay. Right, because isn't the uh, income tax essentially just paying for the interest on the various different uh, That's what they say, treasury yes. bonds or whatever? And every time you go to the gas station, you're paying federal tax and you're paying state tax as well. Right. So State Representative Tom Emmer, a Republican, says, All I'm trying to do is protect the individual's right to make health care decisions. I just don't want the government getting between my decisions and my doctors. Sounds to me like he's just trying to get a, a reelected. Well, yeah, but, uh, of course he is. If he really didn't want that, he would be working to roll back the system yeah. because the federal, because the government, in all of its iterations, whether it's state, local, or federal, is way between your decisions and your doctor's. You know, I'm generally in favor of this sort of movement of states' rights. I don't believe that states can have rights. I think that I think that it really only makes sense that individuals have rights. But nonetheless, I do like the idea of the state government people who supposedly got together way back when and formed the federal government for certain purposes, going to the federal government and saying, look, we've had about enough of this and we're not going to participate in this, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I just don't know if it'll actually happen. I mean, I'd like to believe that it will. I'd like to believe this is more than just political posturing, but we haven't gotten to the point where uh, it's time for something to occur. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. The Walking Liberty Half is a fantastic coin for the beginner investor and those who want usable silver should a monetary collapse occur. This coin is widely accepted as one of the most beautiful ever made. It served our grandparents for more than 40 years, and you can get them for $8.69. Call 877-857-9938 or go to silver.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can at once. It's 877-857-9938, silver.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want toll-free to 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We are going to take your calls about anything. And then coming up, I've got a much better solution to this federal government health care problem from our friend Mark Stevens over at markstevens.net. That's Mark with a C. We'll uh, get to that here, but your calls are primary. Also, I want to tell you briefly about amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Now, there's a lot to buy at Amazon. If you've been there before, you know what I'm talking about. They are the world's largest Internet retailer with dozens of categories in which you can shop, even used items. You can get it all at amazon.freetalklive.com. If you enter through that link, we will get a percentage of the purchase. That's amazon.freetalklive.com. But there is one set of books that will never be available at Amazon. No. Uh, They're only available through 
Well, what you're going to tell us about, Mark. Yeah, the, the, it's through spooner.freetalklive.com is really the only way to, to get this set of books. It is a set of six uh, volumes that are bound in library-quality hardcover, and it's a total of 2,800 pages, and it's the complete writings of Lysander Spooner. If you know who Lysander Spooner is, uh, you know, the, then and you want to get his writings, he's the, 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 you just can't get these anywhere. They're not available on the internet. They're not av- available anywhere except through M&S Press and Spooner.freetalklive.com. Um, Lysander Spooner was an anarchist, a philosopher, an abolitionist, an entrepreneur, and a mailman. And you can get his uh, entire six-volume set for $335. I know it's a lot of money, but if you like Spooner, you like Spooner, it's worth it to you. So spooner.freetalklive.com. Um, basically, the the order form is a uh, is an email link, and uh, you'll you'll start the process by emailing the guy, tell him that you heard it on Free Talk Live, and and it's uh, delivered to your door for three thirty five. Let's go to your calls, and then we'll get to a real healthcare solution. Uh, we'll talk to Chris in Texas to start things out. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening. What's on your mind tonight, Chris? Well, you know, I'm I'm surprised Ian that you're not actually in favor of government health care. Why why would I be in favor of that? Well, I mean for for your voluntary society, I think uh the more government programs we have the better cuz that's definitely going to get us to the voluntary society much much faster. You believe you're one of those who believes Is that? that? You believe? I I don't believe that. I I think that eventually I mean, I I'm not actually in favor of it, but I I think eventually it it has to collapse. Uh, so it, would you be somebody who would cast a vote for the most evil person on the ballot in the hopes that uh, things would collapse sooner? Absolutely not. In fact, when I vote, um, I, I partic- well, I don't vote for a candidate that is Republican, Democrat. I just flat out don't vote on that specific issue because I don't really view much of a difference between them anymore. Mm-hmm. But if I do find it, and that's actually pretty much the reason that I called is, you know, if I do find a principal candidate out there, I will I will cast a vote for him. Doesn't that counteract what you just said, though? I mean, you said that you believe that. No, as, that he was talking about you. He doesn't believe that oh, you should. I thought you said you him. also believe that uh, things should be sped up. Is that not the case? Rewind. Say that again. It, it, it was my understanding that you had thought. First of all, you'd suggested that I thought that uh, that things that the government healthcare thing should go through, so voluntarism happens sooner, so a voluntary society arises sooner. And so then I thought you had expressed a similar belief system. Is that not the case? No, actually, that's not the case. Okay. I, I am more on Mark's side with the the minarchist point of view than the, the gotcha. voluntarist. Yeah, well, you misunderstood me because I certainly am not in favor of more tyranny. I, I would never oh. a- advocate for uh, more tyranny for in some sort of hope that that would result in more freedom down the line. Yeah, I think it's also I mean, it, ma- it makes you uh, to somewhat extent responsible for what occurs if you're going you know you're 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 like in yeah. the crowd going kill him crucify crucify you know I mean that's essentially where you're at when when you advocate for more government um and I don't think I've ever advocated for more government no, I've I would never, never said I, that I, I I just you know if it if we never get to liberty because I won't vote for the worst candidate we'll never get to liberty it could also collapse because people just resist it and refuse to participate. Absolutely. Anyway, go ahead with your thoughts tonight. Well, it's kind of along the same line. Um, I guess what happened last night with the end of your uh, the end of your show for podcasters, um, how Mark had interviewed Brand Paul, and I I thought that was really great. I, I've actually been following him for. 
for a little while and watching some of his stuff. And I, I, I was just a little curious on why you weren't in there. I, I know when Ron Paul was on, you, you know, you, you seemed fairly excited about interviewing him. And yeah, well, Ron I, Paul's uh, Ron Paul's got uh, you know some name recognition. Ron Paul is really the only politician we've ever had on our radio program. Uh, you're, what you're referring to is an interview that aired last night only on podcast. So our radio listeners would only be able to download the podcast from last night, and uh, then they could hear it. But it was Mark all by himself uh, interviewing Rand Paul. And for me, politicians don't excite me. There's nothing exciting about uh, what Rand Paul is doing. He's just running another libertarian campaign. I've seen a million of them, so what's what's new? Well, so where where it, get, where it gets me thinking is kind of the, the, the underlying issue here between you and Mark, which is – and you know, I put myself in this and a, a lot of people that I have discussions with is, you know, we agree on everything that's going to happen for the next 99% of getting to a voluntary society, and mm-hmm. it's that last 1% that, that, that we're getting hung up on. And I think that I, I just it worries me that that might alienate some people that aren't quite at that, at that voluntarist viewpoint yet. What, what's going been, to alienate people? I'm sorry if I'm misunderstanding. Yeah, to a point. I mean, I've. What I've is? No, no. What show. is? You said that's going to alienate people, and I'm. Un, I guess I'm not understanding what is alienating people. Well, I think with uh, a lot of the viewpoints that you express are, you're you're very firm in in the the voluntary society, which I totally support. I mean, by all means, please be. But at the same point, especially on like Saturday nights when people call in from mm-hmm. Florida, whatever that big radio station is out there that. You always get a ton of calls from a lot of those people call and they they haven't really they haven't heard a lot of the ideas yet. And there tends to be a whole lot of friction between you and a lot of the callers. And I view this as a movement where we're trying to get as many people on board as we can. And yep. I'm I looking see. at it as uh, what I'm what I'm hearing you say is, Ian, you are too principled and you need to become less principled so you can reel more people into this. I movement. think you can be is that what I'm hearing? I think you could be principled without being, um, you know, like giving. You're the one that yells at the damn callers. I'm the one having to tell you to cut pipe down, you madman. I'm no madman. So, uh, I, I so do, I do hear that, but I'm I'm worried about alienating people that they right. they just haven't had a chance to really grasp the full concept. Because I mean, okay. I've been, well, like I appreciate I said, I've your concern, but I can tell you that uh, yeah, right. I appreciate your concern, but I can say that uh, I believe very firmly, as you said, in uh, the ideas of a voluntary society, and I don't think I'm the worst at communicating those ideas. I'm certainly not uh, belligerent in many ways towards callers, unless they're belligerent uh, to me first. And in in some cases, I don't care about converting everybody. I'm not interested in a 100% conversion rate. I'm interested in bringing the people over that it's right for at this time in their lives, and not everybody is going to be on, uh, on board with the ideas of liberty the first time they hit them, even if it's just Marx's ideas of you know a small government, a very, very small government. That could also be offensive uh, to some people. So, you know, we really can't just do this radio show being concerned for what people will think about our ideas. We just have to put them out there, and whoever responds, responds. Because the number one, pur- uh, the number one purpose of this, uh, this show is to entertain people so they'll continue listening to it. Uh, and if we're, if we're not doing that, then we're not doing our jobs, because then we're not holding people through a commercial break so they can hear what their local radio station sponsors are, so they can go patronize those sponsors, so the radio station will stay on the air, so we can stay on the air, and hopefully over time bring them the ideas of liberty in a very you know slow, methodical fashion. But they're going to be very principled ideas, and I understand that it, that's going to turn some people off. Oh, well. Well, you know, some I, people I, at I first. Can't argue, I can't argue that, that you're not entertaining because you you definitely have 
made me laugh several times pretty hard. Um, well, entertainment it, isn't always necessarily about laughter. Go ahead, Wayne. I was going to say, sometimes at first people will think, what are these guys talking about? But if they keep listening, then they start to realize that, that they're... See, you have to let the paradigm shatter in your mind. And so many people have been raised with this statist... Uh, uh, mentality, whether the Republicans or Democrats, that when they first hear us speak on the show, especially Ian, that they they are going to be shocked at first. But but a lot of people will will listen more just because they 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 have to try to make sense of what he's saying. And as as they gather more of the ideas, then they start to make it makes sense. And not everybody's willing to give up the paradigm that that they see the world through. Even if I were to water it down, they still wouldn't necessarily be able to give up their paradigm. And we've heard uh, callers over time and gotten emails from people who will tell us a similar story of when I first heard your show, I was shocked at blah, blah, blah. And then down the line, I started to come to agree more with what Mark was saying. And then down the line, I came around more to what you were saying, Ian. And Are you calling me a shill? <laughs> no, I'm just saying I'm just I'm just replicating some of the stories we've told. Now, obviously, we're not hearing the stories from people who've said who say say things like, "Well, I tuned in once and then never tuned in again." Those people are obviously out there. Oh yeah. But what am I going to do about it? Yeah. You know, Mark's thanks the can- for the call. Mark's the candy man. Eight <laughs> hundred. That's kind of creepy. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up anything as long as enough people to tu- uh, tune in to get us some ratings and get us on more radio stations. Which We're is having success. Hour two's coming up. Hello, Free Talk Live podcast subscribers. This is novelist Spencer Baum here to tell you about my new book, The Demon Queen and the Locksmith. It's a fantasy novel in the tradition of the boy wizards and vampires that have been so popular lately, but written from the perspective of a libertarian like you. My novel has all the monsters, magic, hair-raising adventures, and teen angst you've come to know and love, but unlike those other books, you'll find no glorification of life in the government schools in this story. My main character doesn't truly start learning until he ditches class and connects with some libertarian homeschoolers. And he can't go about saving the world until he sees that the conformist worldview of the modern American fails to see the truth. But don't take my word for it. Listen for yourself. For free. Open up iTunes and search for The Demon Queen and the Locksmith. I've released the first six chapters as a free podcast. Give it a listen. It's free. That's The Demon Queen and the Locksmith. I hope you enjoy. Live, you can bring up what you want by dialing toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wade. And Mark. And we're inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their sites. We give ours away free. Uh, so enjoy it at freetalklive.com. And also enjoy republicmagazine.tv. If you are missing the real news, and you might very well be, you should get informed and stay informed with Republic Magazine. Get your free digital copy now or order a print subscription at republicmagazine.tv. That's republicmagazine.tv. Or you can call them at one 800 873 1620. That's 800-873-1620. Yeah, I just got the new issue today in the mail, and uh, Free Talk Live's got a quarter-page ad right on the inside front cover, and I... Again? Yeah, it's great. Well, yeah. this is, this, this is uh, the, the, the new issue comes out online before you get your uh, hard copy. Right. So, I, you know, when I looked, I looked online, and that was probably a week and a half ago or two weeks ago. So this is our first month in? I thought we'd already been in for a, for a month. Uh, you know, I think this is our first insertion. Okay, very good. 
It's a nice looking ad. Yeah, it's a great looking one. All right, freetalklive.com is our website. We go to your phone calls. Eric is in South Korea. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Eric. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's on your mind tonight, Eric? I've just uh, been I've been listening for about six months now, and I'd like to say thank you. It's a really interesting show. I, I listen on podcasts, so unfortunately I'm a little bit late in my, my news. But last week, or let's say the end of the week before, you're having a hard time finding um, a correlating definition for the term collectivist. And yeah, I, I googled it. I googled it last night, and if you go on Wikipedia, there's several dif- different definitions. There's the economic des- uh, and political definition that you guys came up with last week, but there's also the ph- philosophical definition, and it seems to be backed up. Like I did it last night at like two in the morning, so I didn't really have time to check the sources. Mm-hmm. Whoever's on the computer now can actually pull up um, collectivist in Wikipedia. And it'll come up with a pretty definition, a definition that I think you can use so you can keep on using the word collectivist for, for, your, um, for that. So, so my confusion, I guess, was that I had been using the term collectivist to... Politically. Well, you're right, to refer to the idea that people were putting people in, uh, in groups as in a That would co- be the philosophical collective. definition of, of collectivist. So it, it actually works. If you look at it on Wikipedia right now, you can, it's, the first, it's the first heading under collectivism. Right. I, I'm not there right now. I was at the dictionary, which is where I had gone to originally, just because Wikipedia can be edited by anybody, and I, I, I like Wikipedia. But there's, there's a, I'm, I, I know that, so that's why there's a lot of reference sources to it, right. so it, I think it's, it's not just uh, gibber-jabbish. Okay, so you're saying that uh, the definition of, of collectivist can include uh, just talking about Putting people... Putting people into a certain box according to what they do or what they... Um, yeah. uh, what they look like, or what? Yeah, so it can be used that way. Or those okay. who who believe they derive their rights from the group they belong to, rather than exactly. individual or the, rights. Or the group is more important than the individual. Yeah. Or a whole bunch of stuff like that. Okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up. Uh, was there anything else so, you wanted to share? Yeah. The other one is you often ask, why would a person move to move to another country? Eh? Um, I, Have I, I often asked that? I don't I think was, I've asked that's that. Actually, I'm a dual citizen. I was born in the states to Canadian parents, and I, I was raised in Canada. Uh, and I got tired of paying 54% tax. I was making 68000 a year, taking home 27 something. Um, I, I, I checked online and said, hey, this can't be right. So, and, and I checked, and I, now, well, well, I've been here for nine years. When I moved here, I, I, I cut my salary from 68000 to 36000 something, but my take home pay was 32000 so are you doing you doing the same work uh, there in South Korea as you were in doing Canada? No, I was Canada? a social worker back home, so don't don't hang up on me because of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, was, I was in child protection back home, which is a lot more stressful, a lot more a lot more taxing on the body and on the mind and on the person. And I I, I just quit that and I just became an English teacher in South Korea. That's great. I don't know. I, I mean, when you say I ask people why they would go move to another country, do you mean just in general what is interesting about another country? Because I, if you want to move to another country, I think you should if you think it's better for you. Well, what, 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 no, I think I think you're I think you're looking forward to the advantages and what 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 like is enticing for me to stay here for for eight uh, for eight or nine years. Um, another interesting fact is most of the convenience stores have. Um, patio tables and chairs out with parasols, and you can buy beer in the convenience store and sit out front and have your beer and not get harassed by the police. Oh, that's nice. It is quite, it's very nice. Now, where, um, where are you in South Korea? Is it Seoul? I'm just uh, just southeast of Seoul. I'm in, uh, in Incheon, where MacArthur actually landed um, during the, uh, the, the Korean, Korean War, 
and he separated the supply lines from North and South Korea, and that's how they kind of got back their independence from, from the communist North. I think you um, may be the first caller ever from South American, Korea. So I don't know which is better. Yeah. No. Um, but, I, I, uh, also, uh, another interesting, I don't know how you'll take this, another interesting facet here is the police do show of force. So basically, in America, or in Canada, where the police would hide behind a tree to catch you speeding and, and be more than happy to give you a ticket, um, and, and it's like they have radar traps everywhere. And here in Korea, the police actually ride around with their lights on to, to just to remind you that they're there, but they huh. don't want to give you tickets. Why? I, I have no idea, and it it, it got me strange. It, well, it's a police force, right? So, I mean, they were they had dictator governments for the longest time, and then they had democracy, but with with the coup d'etats and over, overthrown. So, it's, it's it's a military state, and the police would rather you show a force to have. Um, I guess a compliant community without having problems, then generate money, uh, generate money through it. They'd rather have a safer community, I guess. Interesting. So they, they don't want to catch you doing something. They just rather you not do something wrong. Um, do you do do people sit out at convenience stores and drink beers on little patio tables? I'm I'm trying to imagine this. I, most of the convenience stores yeah. I've been to, I I wouldn't want to sit out in front of it and enjoy a, a beer <laughs> in front of the patio. That's that's um I'm I, you know it, I I can see wanting to do that at a bar. It's a nicer place. What so are there convenience stores nicer or more bar like or? No, 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 no. It's just, it's just a basic. I'll take a picture and I'll send you guys one through the way I want to take. It's just the basic, the, the front end. The, the, the sidewalks are usually a bit wider, and you have like maybe 10 feet or 12, 20 feet before the side of the road. And uh, the convenience store is just, you, it, it's basically just more of an open, like you can have an open container and you can walk down Main Street. Um, you can buy a beer in a bar, and if you don't have time to finish and your friends want to go to another bar, you can just walk out of the bar with your beer, and no wow. one's going to stop you, and no one's going to harass you on the that street is, for having an open container. That is great. And no one's going to, no one's going to bother you. It so, doesn't make any difference at all. Do they have donut shops there, in Korea? They do have donut shops. That's yeah. probably why the cops don't stop anybody. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, no, I, no, it's um, they do have donut shops. They're not the most like mostly the college kids hang. The cops don't uh, don't do, don't really hang out at the donut shops. Uh, but on the other side. Um, yeah, how is it less and, free? Like the, pardon? How is it less free in in South Korea? Uh, how is it less free? Um, well, like I said, it's a military state, and like they'll have random roadblocks where everybody has to breathe the breathalyzer. Oh so, my! Yeah, so they'll have like just a roadblock, and they have uh, the pre-breathalyzer, and if you if you blow, uh, if it gives off a certain color light or whatever, like there's a green light, yellow light, and the amber light, and the red light, whatever. So, mm-hmm. And then you have to blow in the big breathalyzer. What are the other drug um, laws like there in, in South Korea? I know in, in some places in Asia, they are pretty strict. Oh, yes. On, uh, on um, non-medicinal use, you're talking about? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, that's, that's one. They have one classification for drugs. So and that's if, what you, death? if it's a drug, like uh, if it's an illegal drug, it's an illegal drug. It doesn't matter if it's marijuana. It doesn't matter if it's cocaine, crack, heroin. They're all the same. So that that's very much more or less free. And, and and how harsh? It's actually almost impossible to find. And so. How harsh are the penalties uh, for it? Is it is it death in South uh, Korea? Well, for a foreigner, it's uh, probably about six months in the pokey and then deportation. Wow. And geez. for a Korean, probably you're probably looking at ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen months. Yeah, no use. Oh my gosh! Drugs. Yeah, they're, not, they're big on the drug thing. 
they're big on the drug thing. But on the prostitution side, um, it's much more free. But Very I'm married with a kid, so I don't do that. <laughs> I understand. What is, is the legal threshold for being drunk higher or lower in Korea? Uh, same, 0. 0.8. 0. 0.8. 0. 0.08. Yeah. All right, so, great. Well, I'm, I'm kind of out of questions. Are there other things you want to share with us? Yeah, and the second one, and the third one, the third thing I wanted to talk about is uh, just being uh, a, a multinational. So I was born in America and uh, raised in Canada. And anybody else who has uh, that, that has had that luck, um, I, I, since uh, my family is in Canada and I live here, I often travel to the States. And what I like to do to, to just to put tea Tell me in a moment. Um, Hang on, Eric. More on the way. Uh, you'll find out more about South Korea in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Gunday, Gunday, Gunday. Three days to exercise your Second Amendment rights for only $10 per person, October 9th, 10th, and 11th at Knob Creek Gun Range. The world's largest machine gun shooting military gun show is fun for the whole family with machine guns and flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides, and over 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. Opens at 9 a.m. Call 502-922-4457 or visit KnobCreekRange.com. That's K-N-O-B-CreekRange.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. They're all free, so enjoy those on us, including live streams, a broadband version, dial-up version, even a webcam. All free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen freetalklive.com Choose for Health Superfruit Complex. It's a chewable antioxidant and vitamin all in one, so you don't have to take one of those big horse pills. You don't have to take that shot of uh, wolfberry in the morning. You could just take Choose for Health Superfruit Complex, and they'll give you a free week to try it out. All you have to do is call this number that I'm going to give you here in a second. But, Wayne, I gave I gave you a, a free week of Choose for Health uh, just today, and you, you had one earlier, and what do you, what'd you think? I think they're pretty awesome. I think my kids will like them, too. Yep, they're, they're pretty tasty. I mean, they're kind of like a, a sour, uh, sweet tart kind of uh, taste, but they're good. Yeah, it felt good in my body. I feel more alert and more better after I, I had it. So I think that it's uh, showing promise already. You know, some people are more in tune with their bodies than I am. I, I, I've never been able to tell the difference in taking a vitamin. I take a vitamin because it seems like you're supposed to take a vitamin. Mm-hmm. You know, me too. <laughs> I, I, that, that's the reason I take it. I figure. I should get all these vitamins, and I'm going to take this for this reason. And I, uh, you know, my wife's very, very, very good about making sure that I get mine. But, but I still don't like swallowing the damn vitamins. With these, you don't have to do that. No, you nope. just chew them up. You chew them, and they actually taste good. They don't taste like chemicals. 800-219-8874. That's the number to get a free week to try it out. All you have to do is pay a little bit for shipping and handling. 800-219-8874. Choose for Health's Superfruit Complex. All right. Uh, you can bring up what you want. We're going to go back to our caller from South Korea, and it may be the first caller ever we've had from South Korea. Sometimes we do get calls from around the world. It is an Internet program as well as on radio stations all across the United States. Uh, so Eric is with us in South Korea. Now, Eric, it's 8.22 Eastern Time at this uh, time. Normally we don't mark the time on the show because some of our stations run us in delay broadcast. But I'm just curious, uh, 822 Eastern Time at night, what time is it right now in, in South Korea? It's tomorrow morning, 922 for you. Nine, so we're morning so show in South Korea. morning, 
bringing you the morning zoo on Free Talk Live. <laughs> there you go. So that's cool. All right. So you've been telling us uh, basically that in South Korea, you made the move to South Korea from the United States because you're Canada, being, Canada. or excuse me, from Canada, born in the U.S., living in Canada. Uh, you made the move from Canada to South Korea because you're being taxed to death in Canada. You're being taxed less in South Korea, and you're making about oh, as yeah. much money after all is said and well, done. Well, about eight years ago. Now I'm making three times the money. So. Oh wow, that's great! Congratulations to you yeah. for for that. And, and so you're and raising a family over there. I started there. my own business, and when we started, like, because I'm a foreigner, and we pay about three percent tax because there's incentive for foreigners to come, or whatever. Really? And uh, when I started my business, my wife's Korean, and we said, okay, well, we want to like be on the up and up. We don't, I don't want to get deported because in my cash cow, so I don't, I don't want to fuck, uh, screw things up. So I almost slipped there. <laughs> and um, they, you still there? Yeah, yeah, right here. Okay, yeah. So uh, we went to the tax office and said, listen, we want to, we want to pay like the correct amount of tax. And they said, until you make over a hundred thousand dollars, you uh, like, you don't have to pay like more than three percent tax. I'm like, what? It's impossible. And they said, yeah. And they said, there's a provision for. So I was like, okay. <laughs> like, oh, wow. We came and we checked. So. I'm like, all right, so so we're, we're doing pretty good. Uh, I thought of something when I was on the break, when you were on the break there. Uh, healthcare is also a bit different here. Okay, do um, tell. It's a mandatory healthcare from the government system. Um, because tax is so low, like Koreans pay an average of about 17% tax, which is pretty low uh, compared to uh, from Canada, at least, where I was paying like sure is. 48%. And um, so healthcare isn't like in your tax, but you have to have a mandatory healthcare system. But for a family of three, I pay sixty-four dollars a month. Sixty-four. And pardon? Six four. Sixty-four dollars a month. Yeah. Okay. And and that gives me uh, I'm, I, I can go to the hospital and stuff. There's a bit of copay. Like if I go to the hospital, uh, the emergency, I have to pay a little bit more, maybe like forty dollars or fifty dollars. Um, if I go to the clinic, I I pay. Uh, between two and six dollars, and the beauty of it that we don't have in America is I have the choice to go to uh, traditional medicine, or I can go to Western medicine. So I can go to a Chinese doctor and get acupuncture hmm. and not pay a hundred and fifty bucks because it's it's a, it's a luxury treatment. And um, I had uh, shoulder problems last week, and I went to the hospital to the acupuncture. Uh, well, actually, I had it last year. And I went to the like our kind of doctor for about six months, and it was anti-inflammatories and and rest discs and and, uh, and and medication medication, and there was nothing happening. So I said, you know, I'm in Asia, so I might as well try the Oriental medicine. And I was wondering how much it cost. Cost me six bucks, no medication, and two treatments of acupuncture, and no more back problems, no more shoulder problems. Wow. All right. So you're so saying this is a this is a completely state-run program that the state is even uh, employing the acupuncturists that's right yeah so i did so you just a little bit of copay like like i said six i think six bucks or four bucks or something and i can choose to go to the doctor that i want to go to as opposed to having to go to a western style medicine uh, back back home like if you're an insurance from the state you have to go to western medicine if you want to have the acupuncture of or the massage, or the acupressure, or the whatever holistic style medicine. So, how do you get? Pay. You said it's mandatory. How do you get mandated in if you're self? Uh, you said you have your own business. So, how does that work? Oh, when you, you uh, I'm, I'm registered with the with, with the with the city council or whatever, and so then they just send us a bill by the mail. I see. So you, they've got your you're you're a registered citizen type. So you, they you're on the yes. books, and so they just invoice you. So actually, but if I chose not to pay, they don't take it out of my pay. If I chose not to pay it, I guess 
it wouldn't be much of anything. But since I have a young child and stuff, it's always they wouldn't take uh, your house from you or something like that if you didn't pay it. Oh, geez, no, 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 no. Yeah. Wow, I'm 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 quite bewildered by this. So, what are some of the downsides? I mean, normally when we talk about socialist, yeah, you said medicine, it was a police state. I mean, or right. a military state. It's I mean. a police state. Yes. I mean, if you do anything wrong, like it's like in like in, in really bad, then then you're in serious trouble kind of thing, like for drugs or for... I mean, specifically I, with the with the healthcare system, uh, normally when we talk about socialized medicine, there are all kinds of problems that, uh, that well, come along. Well, the problem along. would be is if you if something major happens. Like, like if you get need an operation, like uh, the copay would be a lot higher. Like my friend had a, a busted ACL or, or a knee, knee injury, and it cost him uh, $1,200 or $1,300. So that would be the downside, but even it's still less than six or eight thousand dollars in America, but it's a lot more than free in Canada. What about the uh, the waiting, the lines, as, as you might oh, experience in Canada? That's, that's, thank you very much. Because we pay, uh, I went to the emergency room with my baby about uh, oh geez, maybe in March, April or May. He fell and he cracked a little. He needed three staples in his head, whatever. He didn't crack the skull; it just broke the skin, mm-hmm. whatever. And at the at the emergency room, we waited a grand total of about fifteen minutes. Wow, I'm amazed by this. Yeah, it does sound like an emergency. And, and that, that sounds like, I had like a the small United States. To me. on my tongue just because I have a yeah, but it's not the United States. I bite my tongue a lot, and I went to go for I had to go get that cut off. So they wanted to blood test and X-rays because it was a small operation, and um, we scheduled it for Saturday morning at ten o'clock. And I showed up at the hospital at Saturday morning at ten o'clock, and I passed at uh, ten o'clock. Jeez. So it's very effective because people are paying a certain amount, and they like in Canada we don't pay, so we just go and we sit and we wait as long as they make us wait, right? So there but isn't here, as, as much of a demand on the system because there are actually payments involved with going to get the health care. Probably, yeah. People will, will stay home with their little knickknacks instead of going to the hospital right away. Very interesting. Eric, I appreciate you sharing that with us, and I thank you for the call tonight. Hopefully we'll hear from you again. Always interesting to hear from people around the world. Uh, 800-259-9231, giving us their experience. It is Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. We've got a Facebook profile. You can go and become a fan at facebook.freetalklive.com. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. And uh, don't forget, freetalklive.com. Lots of stuff uh, all free for you. And by the way, coming up, we're going to do another Tota Sack giveaway. If you've ever wished you didn't have to push the shopping cart all the way back to the store or didn't have to make so many trips to get the groceries into the house for the last month or so, uh, or actually longer than that, we need to change this copy mark. Uh, for a while now, <laughs> I've been using the, uh, t- the Tota Sack here at the house. In fact, uh, just came back from a grocery shopping expedition just the other day. We hadn't been in three weeks. I mean, the fridge was empty and so we had a lot of bags, and I loaded up, I think it was six on one tote sack, seven on the other, brought them in. It was getting a little heavy to, to actually carry because there was a lot of juice and stuff like that in there, but I was able to bring in virtually every single thing, with the exception of the 12-pack of beer, which you can't hang on the tote sack. Uh, but anything that's in a bag, 
I brought in in one trip. So well, otherwise would have taken me probably three or or so trips to uh, to bring that in, and the Toto Sack saved me some time. So uh, it's great the little device. It's made it of 100% recycled material designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. You can go to totosack.com. That's T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. Get yourself a family pack there. We're going to give away a two-pack here in a little bit. And uh, we'll give you the number at that time. You'll need to call a special number. It's not the normal call-in line that we typically give you. Totasac, they carry more than you can, a lot more. Totasac.com. All right, so uh, I want to go on with the calls here in a moment, but real quick, just to talk a little bit about what Eric in South Korea was sharing with us about the South Korean medical system there. He says it's mandatory so that the government sends you a bill if you're registered, and I guess they probably mandate that everybody be registered with the government. So if you are, uh, if the South Korean government is aware that you're living there, they're going to send you a bill for healthcare services. And then he was saying that when he would go into uh, to acquire those services, there are charges for whatever it is that that he is acquiring. Now, does that mean that the numbers are arbitrarily set by a board of bureaucrats? Most likely. Uh, but nonetheless, he did point out that the charges for the services, the copays, as he called them, was likely keeping the demand down at least some extent. Because what we've seen in the countries where they give health care away for free to the end user, and obviously it's all paid for by taxation, there's a very, very high demand on the part of the people that are seeking out health care services. Because if they've got the sniffles, they can go to the emergency room or they can go to the doctor and, and it's free to them. So that means that a lot of people will go and, and try to get those services. But if they're charging for the, all of that stuff, uh, even regardless of whether they're the correct prices or not, it's still keeping some people uh, out because they're saying to themselves, well, do I really need to go to the doctor for the well, sniffles? Sure, but, but one has to enter into that equation. I, I think the most ominous uh, uh, thing here in the equation as far as uh, what the Obamacare plan is, is A, the government mandates whether you have health care insurance or not. So the government mm-hmm. tells you you have to have it, and you're a criminal if you don't. And the IRS is going to be the ones that are enforcing this, so it's going to be yes. part of your taxes. It's a very strange, weird kind of fascist setup. And well, it kind of makes sense. They're the ones in regular contact with uh, most Americans, so it, it makes sense that they would pick I that suppose, up. but you know, who likes the IRS? You want them administering this program? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Um, the the other thing that the probably the most ominous is the United States is the largest healthcare uh, market in the world, and it's the freest of the major markets. Most uh, most Western democracies have some kind of socialized medicine. So essentially, R and D research and development is driven by the dollars that come out of our healthcare market. Now, I, it is flawed, no doubt. There's a problem with our system, and I would say that the problem is government intervention. However, once you take that sort of profit incentive out, there's not enough money left for R&D, and that's really the big issue here. Sure, there's a lot of problems with socialized medicine in um, different countries. Some do it better than others and all that other stuff, but the big problem is once the United States goes socialized, R&D in medicine is thrown back into the Stone Ages, essentially. Well, that's R&D that we know about. There's been a lot of people over the years that have developed technologies that have not Gone into the mainstream. You no, know, right look, look at Royal Rife in the, in the 20s and 30s. The technology that he developed was amazing. Uh, if anybody's not familiar with Royal Rife, uh, you can look him up online. But he developed a microscope where he could see pathogens and viruses that normal microscopes couldn't see. 
And once he saw them, he he developed different sound frequencies, and, and he meticulously recorded which which uh, pathogens would shatter under different frequencies, and developed a machine to blast them. And he, supposedly, uh, his patients never complained about him at all. But he was raided by the feds oh, no. and put out of business. And uh, it's a very interesting story. But I think that there are technologies out there that would blow your mind that just aren't haven't reached the mainstream. Well, because the mainstream's set up to prevent them to right. I mean, pre- prevent them from reaching most people yes because we have a very cartelized uh, system of medicine well i wanted to just talk a little bit more about uh, what might really be going on over in hell in uh, in south korea because the story from eric was just glowing i mean he would go into the hospital was seen in the emergency room within 15 minutes whereas we've heard that in other government-run healthcare systems it's uh, it's an incredibly long wait and of course he pointed out that again they are paying for at some level they're paying for these services so therefore that's probably cutting down on the demand but he was also very satisfied with the uh, the their ability to get them in as far as scheduling an appointment and coming out and and getting it done in a, a relatively short amount of time so it sounds like things are really different in South Korea than they are up in say Canada for instance and just one of the things that you guys had t- pointed out during the break about government-run health care is that usually young people are treated a lot better than old people are. Is that right? Yes. Generally speaking, that those are the stories we've heard. And it's funny because I think in a lot of these countries that have it, it's drilled in their, in their head going to school for years, decades. We that have the best health care system in the world. And then in the next breath, they'll tell you how their grandfather couldn't get the surgery they needed. Now we didn't have, uh, you know, I didn't have a time to go through an entire hour-long interview, and and he's just he doesn't he's not a, uh, a born and raised in South Korea, so I don't know how just well his he experience knows and his experience is valid for him. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, and I'm like actually looking here at EarthTimes.org. I was just uh, just uh, looking uh, online for some uh, some healthcare information about South Korea, and this says that South Korea has the highest. Healthcare expenditure of all the Asian tigers with an estimated 55% funded by the public sector. So from that statement, it sounds like it's still a most, well, it's mostly government funded, sort of like the, the U.S. system is mostly government funded because we've heard statistics that say over 52% of the money spent in the healthcare system here in America is spent by the government. So that means that 45% is spent by private hands. So how does that work out when it comes to the pricing structure? Uh, there's a lot that we still don't know about the, the South Korean system. It's kind of interesting, though, what we've found out so far. So maybe if you know more, you can, uh, you can clue us in at 800-259-9231. I'd like to say that, that South Korea does have you know, a growing economy. They've got an industrial base, which we're losing in this country. And they don't have a huge military budget, even though it's a, it might be a military country in a sense. They're not trying to police the world, so they'd probably have more money for things like that. However, when you start saying it's government's role to do those things, where does it end? That's the problem. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Right. And the real issue when it comes to health care is not how well one government system works versus another government system. The real issue is the freedom uh, to operate your own health care business in the way that you want to. Because that's... That's the real issue, not necessarily what happens to the end consumer and how well they are treated, although that's certainly important to but them. But that's where the innovation comes from, is when com- the uh, companies and people free- have the freedom to run their business the way they see fit. And they can cut costs or even maybe find a new paradigm that costs less that, that's more effective. That happens all the time in other industries. 
Right. So people who are doing healthcare services, providing healthcare services, whether they're of the more medical kind of standard variety or they're the alternative healthcare varieties, should be free to engage in whatever sort of business practices they want to, and people should be free to choose to do business with those folks, whether they, you know, if they if they find them safe, if they trust somebody who's recommended them, or if they trust some sort of third party uh, certification company like Consumer Reports, they should be able to go in there and and contract with them on whatever basis they want to. But whenever you've got the government coming in setting rules and mandates. You don't have a free market, and that doesn't result in the best innovation or the best prices or the best service. More coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is uh, available to you to take control of. You may dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231 and bring up virtually anything. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And don't forget that if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that. Uh, by simply going and sh- uh, you, can, you can go and become a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com for as little as three bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the program, and get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So head on over to amp.freetalklive.com as we continue taking your phone calls. Yale is on the line in Montreal. You're on Free Talk Live. Yale. Yes, gentlemen, I actually wanted to talk about the naturalization process to become an American citizen. Okay. Who would want to do that? Sounds awful. <laughs> well, I can tell you that. Well, I'm, I'm actually living in Montreal right now. I lived in the United States for 15 years. I went to school there. I went to government schools for a number of years. I came back to Montreal for schooling. It's incredibly cheap. And now I'm in the process to become an American citizen. So you were born in Montreal, moved to the United States for 15 years, then moved back. Yes, sir. Got it. Why so would you want to? Why would you want to become an American citizen? Well, I believe it's just the opportunity to stay here because otherwise, if I would like to stay and work in the United States, I'm going to have to pay $500 every seven years to renew my green card. Every seven years, okay. The chicks yeah. are hotter in Canada. Well, of, but course, they, of course, they wear more clothes though. Not in the summer. The summer yeah, short. The, the summer is when they come out. Yep, yeah. there's no doubt. So where are you, <laughs> well, to where are you I also, moving? Uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to go on about uh, the entire process because I don't really think many people realize that at each step you have to submit at least $600, $700. I mean, this entire process sets people back $3,000, $4,000. You're basically giving your money away just so a government can give you a piece of paper saying that you live there and you're one of them. And you're the slave. Exactly. $700 a pop at every step in the... So so to apply, it's six or $700, and they could just say, no thanks, we don't want you, and then... Yeah, of course. You, you, Dude, of course. you should just put a kick-me sign on your back. 
Well, it's, yeah, it's basically tough. What we're getting there. What about the uh, what about the hoops that you have to jump through besides the cash? Uh, how difficult is it? And by the well, way, you're coming uh, from Canada, so it's probably a little easier for you. Yeah, I mean, I guess I I look like a normal white guy. I didn't think I have any problem with that. But uh, we started the process around 1994. Uh, there's Jeez. a work permit that had to be filed, and then after a while, you can apply for a green card. Once you have your green card, it will take seven years, and then you can apply to become an American citizen. Wow. Now, if you have the green card, does that that means you can actually be in the United States if you want that to. That means that you can live in the United States, you can work in the United States as long as you renew that card every seven years. I see. So then after you have the green card, you say that at that point you can apply to become a citizen? Is that what you said? After seven years of having that one green card, you can apply to become a citizen, to which you then do another check, and then they will submit your fingerprints to an FBI background search. Mm-hmm. And once that's done, you actually go to the ceremony, you will raise your hand, and you will pledge an oath to the U.S. Constitution. You'll, oath, you'll swear an oath to the Constitution? You swear an oath to the Constitution. That's interesting. The Constitution's a document that's meant to uh, bind the government, not the, yeah. the people. That's weird. Well, you know what? That, okay, well, now this kind of backs up a little conspiracy that, uh, that I've heard. I've heard that citizen is in office. That uh, that essentially that the way the the system sees the the citizen is as the lowest office in the government. Essentially, you've heard that uh, the president is you know the office of the president. You've of got the corporation the, known as the United States. Right of the right. corporation. You've got uh, police officers. These mm-hmm. are also uh, all of the people that work for the government in some capacity are officers, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so there's a certain hierarchy, and the suggestion is that a citizen is the lowest on the uh, the entire governmental hierarchy. Now, like like factory course, worker or s- right. a floor sweeper or slave or something. Now, right? of course, it's not the supposed to be that way. Yeah. Say again? <laughs> the citizen is the subaltern. What was that last word? Subaltern. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. It's the lowest position in a hierarchy. Ah, very good. The subaltern. Uh, so, yeah. So you should come to this country. You're smart. <laughs> Um, so that's just what I'd, I'd heard, and so if you have to swear an oath to the Constitution, then that sounds to me like you're taking an oath of office. I yes, mean, it does. Yeah, you have to realize that all these natural-born citizens, I mean, have you guys taken an oath? Has no. Has anyone taken an oath? No. That's, that's just it, and that's why I say that I, I don't. First of all, I don't think there is such a thing as a citizen because in order to be a citizen, you have to have a. Uh, there has to be a duty of protection, or a, you have to. You owe a duty of allegiance in return for an obligation of protection from the the government that you've sworn an oath to. Yeah, there's actually one thing in the paperwork they gave me, and there's, a, there's an entire booklet you have to take a test as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, one question is, what is one promise that you will make when you become a United States citizen? And these are all the options. Give up loyalty to other countries. Defend the Constitution and law of the United States. Obey the laws of the United States. Serve in the U.S. military if needed. Serve, do important work for the nation if needed, and be loyal to the United States. Those are the choices? You mean there's not an all of the above? It sounds like they'd, lo- they'd want all of the above on that one. Uh, yeah, that's basically everything they want you to say. Well, wait, no, what is the right answer? I mean, if that's, those are the choices. Well, you can actually just give one of those and they'll take it. So any of those answers is is acceptable is what you're saying? Yeah. Those are all those all sound icky to me. <laughs> it's funny that you only have to pick one of them because they all sound like the kind of thing that the government would want from you. Yeah, that's why. I mean, you just you have to go in there, and if you have a certain idea, if you're thinking military, if you're thinking civil service, something like that, I mean, wow. it's, just, it's whatever it's geared for. 
So when it, what if are, you say that you'll serve the military if needed, and then you don't? You well, get revoked. You're in jail. <laughs> what is it that? Uh, where are you at in this process right now? Do you have the green card, or where are you right now? You said you've been oh, doing it for, uh, since I'm actually, I'm coming in uh, to the states uh, here in about a week or two to actually uh, take my exam. So you will be then taking the exam, followed by swearing the oath to the Constitution. Yes. Very interesting. And there's also an English test. I don't know if this stuff is never really out there, but there's an English reading and writing test as well. So this is uh, something that's taken you 15 years of your life to accomplish, and you're you're finally 15 years and thousands of dollars. And how many hours of time would you say? Did you have, you, did you have to hire a lawyer, an attorney to to get through the paperwork, or how did that? How long did that uh, take? In the beginning, we had to go through a lawyer just because that's uh, that's the way they had to do it. We didn't know which uh, which hoops to jump through, but uh, near the end and. And now the paperwork has become, you know, rather condensed at the end. So we were able to do the uh, the last paperwork ourselves. So how much would you have spent? I mean, you mentioned thousands of dollars in fees to the government. What did you spend on the lawyer? Uh, well, altogether, the papers, it's around two Gs. And uh, with the lawyer, every appointment was, you know, a good 500. So so total amount, total amount that. put into this, not including the time that you've spent, total amount of dollars. I'd say a good uh, three, four thousand dollars. Three to four thousand dollars. Fifteen years worth of uh, time, and who knows how many actual hours of fretting over whether or not you crossed the right T's and and dotted the right I's. Because if you yeah. mess up the the forms, this is why you hire a lawyer to make sure it gets done right. If you mess up the forms, they'll just throw you in the circular file, and you'll get to apply again, right? Oh yeah, I mean I, I know other people who are just lost in the process. Their green cards have been processed for eight years now. They're still waiting, and the only response they'll get is, "Oh well, after 9/11, things are complicated." Ah, <laughs> as though it was real easy before that. Bunch of nonsense. It's just an excuse for bureaucrats to be lazy. And this is what people don't understand. And I'm glad that you called tonight to tell us about this. People in America, they look at the immigration situation and they are real quick to jump on people that come here without going through this process. But they don't understand the process. Yeah. They don't even have the beginning con- concepts of what this process entails. And I'm so glad that you called to explain it. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Uh, yeah, I, I was actually going to talk about the Canadian healthcare system because I'm actually living here now. All right, I'll give you uh, you know the next 30 or 40 seconds, but that's about all we got. All right, well, basically now I have a card. I can call a doctor. I can get an appointment within a week. My grandmother, who is an older citizen, she's been waiting to get cataract surgery for three months now. Hmm. So they do treat uh, older people a little bit different than younger people. Yeah, I mean, there, there's just much more need and the older people. There's so much more demand. Uh, there's no way they can get all to it. It's so sad. Thank you, and good luck with uh, your oath of office there. And if you want, share, you some, share, some more, uh, share some more after it's all over and done with, and let us know any observations that you had that might be interesting to our audience. Thank you for the call tonight, Yale. I appreciate it, and good luck. 800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want. Hour number three is on the way. Right now, though, uh, we're going to give you a Tota Sack, two-pack of the Tota Sack. Makes it real easy to carry those groceries into the house from the car and uh, whatever other things you can put on there. Uh, head over to totasack.com to learn more about the TOTASAC. But if you are caller number two right now at 603-435-1105, that's 603-435-1105, you'll win yourself a two-pack of the TOTASAC. And so far, they've been getting rave reviews from the people that we've talked to that have been uh, getting... Uh, I've been uh, using it. It's great. 603-435-1105, hour three is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. 
This is Ian. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time. You and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar and get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free gun. Again, that's FrontSight.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231 and bring up whatever you want. That's 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com as we continue taking your phone calls about whatever you want. We will go, and then we'll give you, by the way, a real solution to the health care situation here in a few moments. But first, it's Keith in New Hampshire here on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Hello, Keith. Hey, guys. Keith, what's on your mind tonight? Well, um, recently, I guess earlier this month, a guy called in talking about a Free Talk Live flyer, and he said that um, it, it mentioned that you were an anarchist capitalist or something, and you said you were an entrepreneur, voluntarist, or something like that. Yeah, I don't like the terms uh, anarchist or capitalist. I don't think that the term anarchist applies to me because it connotates, I think, a lack of rules. And I am in full support of rules. I, I, I think that private property owners should be able to set whatever rules they want to. And I think the term capitalist uh, implies that one is 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 you know kind of a robber baron and looking to extract as much money from uh, poor people as possible to run uh, their wealthy uh, business uh, on the backs of the the poor workers and that kind of thing and uh, i just consider myself more of an entrepreneur than uh, than than a capitalist one who is just simply providing a product or service on a voluntary basis and doing it all in an entrepreneurial fashion yeah well you said makes Perfect sense, and so the flyer has been changed to um, represent those those new terms that that you like to use. Oh wow! Well, thank you for that, Keith. I I wasn't sure what yeah. flyer it was that uh, was being referred to, but it apparently yeah, was yours. I, I know it's actually it's on the Free Talk Live wiki, which is a um, user created, generated, and um, edited section of the website. And you can just go to freetalklive.com, and the wiki comes right up. It's on Perfect. the top section. Well, you know, it's like I said. Our listeners can make whatever kind of flyers they want to. We provide them the uh, the tools that they need, or at least the the pieces. We give our graphics away. We've got vector versions of the Free Talk Live logo available free to you at promote.freetalklive.com. There are already some flyers there that you can yep. utilize, but if they're not appropriate or you don't think they, they'd work or you want to just make your own, you can do that. What do we care? Uh, you can call me a commie on the flyer. I mean, as long as it gets people to tune in. I care. I mean, I, I'm glad that uh, super activists like Keith are out promoting my radio show, and I thank you to you and everybody who does it, Keith. Yeah, actually, I wanted to give a quick story about that. So I was on my way to um, the 2009 Porcupine Freedom Festival in Lancaster, New Hampshire, um, earlier this year. Yes, sir. And so we stopped at a rest area because, you know, it was, I guess it's a um, three-hour drive from Keene or something. So we stopped at the rest hour, rest area to use the bathroom, and 
there's a bunch of um, stacks of free magazines there. So I decided to put some free talk live flyers in the magazines, you know. Why mm -hmm. not promote the show every chance I get? Uh, thank you for that. So I was doing that, and um, this New Hampshire Department of Transportation guy came up to me and started talking to me. He was like, um, so do you have permission to do that? And I was <laughs> like, yes. You said yes? <laughs> and he was, um, you know, he just asked me a bunch of stupid questions, and I just answered him honestly every question. You know, that, that and, could um, be an, an, an honest flyers, answer, Keith. So I left. You, that but could be an honest answer. asked an me to leave. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it could be honest to say you have permission. You gave yourself permission. Yeah, actually, they're free, so you can just take them. Um, you could take all of them technically if you wanted, but I, right. I didn't want to take them. I just took them temporarily, enhanced sure. them with your awesome flyer, and then <laughs> put them your back. flyer. You're the one that made it. That's correct. I'm sorry. So as I was leaving, um, even though he never asked me to leave, never asked me to stop, he followed me to my car and then took down my license plate, which hmm. I thought was really weird. Yeah, he's just trying to be intimidating. Just trying to yeah, just trying to you know tweak how you those, out. Um, people are those bureaucrats. By it's, the way, Keith, you ridiculous. are. I love how you use the term enhance. It's uh, it's very creative because you you're somebody who's come up with an interesting form of activism I'd never heard of before, uh, and you've been enhancing library books with at least here in Keene we have these flyers called the warning flyer. It uses reverse psychology, which sometimes doesn't actually work as well as you would think it might, uh, which basically says to people, warning, you know, don't go to these websites, they're very dangerous, and then it lists several websites, including freekeen.com and freetalklive, obscuredtruth.com, and some of our, our friends' websites, anarchyinyourhead.com. It's kind of got the whole list of Keen-based, uh, all, we all basically operate out of the Keen area, so it's got a whole list of uh, Keen-based media, or, uh, liberty-oriented media. And so you've been going into the Keen Public Library on a monthly basis, I believe, and actually, what you say, enhancing the library books. Not all of the library books, but maybe books that might be a little bit more likely somebody of a liberty, semi-liberty-oriented mindset might pick up, so a science fiction novel, for instance, or books about freedom or something like that. Would that be accurate, Keith? Yeah, that's a really good description. And actually, I'm not a big reader myself, but um, Mark and you, um, especially Mark, tends to interview a lot of pro-freedom authors on this show. Mm -hmm. And so I actually write down their names, and then I you know, go to their sections in the library, and some of them like have maybe a dozen books. It's, it's pretty radical how yeah. many some of, the, um, some of these books are. And actually today I was at the um, 420 rally in Keene, at the Keene Central Square, where people were openly smoking marijuana. Yes, you were, as they have there, been since... They have been doing that since last week, I might point out. It set apparently a new world record for longest continuing uh, cannabis celebration or something like that. You, you were saying you were talking to who? Oh, yeah, I was talking to someone there. Um, he's also a Free State Project member. He moved up here for that. But he was telling me he was just reading this, this random book, and he saw the flyer in it. The warning flyer from Keene. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I think you're, what you're doing is working. I, I know that Sam's uh, Lady Meg was in the, I guess not the grocery store, but one of those little convenience markets they have. Here in Keene, there are neighborhood markets, which I think are pretty cool. You can go, not you don't have to walk far from your house or bike far from your house, and there's usually a neighborhood market around. You can go to, you can buy the, you know whatever beers, very specialty beers sometimes they carry, and of course sandwiches and all that. It's like a little convenience store right smack dab in the middle of, uh, of your neighborhood. So she was at one of these neighborhood markets when she overheard the clerk talking with one of the customers, and the customer was telling the clerk about how he found this uh, flyer in the, in the library book, and they were talking about it in a very positive manner. So, uh, so you're having an impact out there, Keith, that you may not even realize. Oh, thank you. I just wanted to add one more quick thing, if you don't mind. Yeah. 
Okay, well, the Free State Project is actually having a money bomb today. Oh, thank you. And I'm not really big on money bombs, per se. Actually, I give monthly to Free Talk Live, though, I AMP, which is great. I love AMP program. Y'all have a great show. But the, the Free Talk, um, the FSP money bomb, Free State Project money bomb, if you go to freestateproject.org, basically it's really cool because there's a new silver round out there, the Free State Project silver round, and the only way to get it right now is to donate to the Free State Project money bomb. Sweet. So that's kind of like a good reason donate isn't it. it a 100 dollar uh contribution that gets you the um the silver piece yes it actually is um and that but it's a sliding scale so if, if you donate like um a thousand dollars something you get you get a lot more than just 10 gotcha so. all right cool so people can go to freestateproject.org to do that in fact we were going to mention that tonight but i'm glad you reminded me about it keith and thank you for the call i appreciate hearing from you and thanks for all your efforts out there promoting uh liberty and because this is by the way i'd like to point out keith is the activist of the year yeah uh, and, and deserving of that title he is the new hampshire liberty alliance activist of the year and uh, thank you keith for uh, for being behind the show 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And Keith's ideas there are ideas you can bring home. You don't have to be in New Hampshire. I mean, we talk a lot about all the great activism happening here in New Hampshire, like the cannabis celebrations that he mentioned. And yes, he was down there today. I saw him. Uh, but you don't have to have these big occasions that we're having here in New Hampshire to, to make a difference. You can go out and do kind of this low-level style, effective activism that Keith, uh, that, uh, not Keith, but uh, not Keen, but Keith has been doing here in Keene. You can go to your local library and bring along a copy of whatever flyer it is you want to promote, whether it's for Free Talk Live or something local that you've got going on there wherever you live. What a great uh, great way to get new ideas into new people's hands that you won't even get a chance to meet. You leave the flyer in the book. They pick the book up whenever they come in to get the book, and they encounter your information. It's a great idea. It's very, very low cost. Uh, getting flyers printed up, you can buy them in bulk at Staples or wherever it is your local print center is, and they, you know, they cost next to nothing. So low cost of entry for this particular form of activism, low cost on the amount of time. He only goes in once a month and just... I guess, I don't know if he t checks the same books over and over again to see if they've been checked out, to see if they still have a flyer. I imagine he kind of replenishes uh, the flyers in certain books, and then maybe uh, he spent the, the last month trying to figure out what other books to uh, to put the flyers in. Because you know, it's not going to make sense in the kids' section, for instance. And Free Talk Live would make a great flyer in those books. Right. Well, some books. Not, not you know, yeah. Barney. No. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But teen books? Uh, books uh, uh, sort of that are targeted towards teens? I think Terry Goodkind's a good place to start. More on the way here. You can bring up whatever you want. Your outreach to, uh, techniques? Share them. It's Free Talk Live. Hey, podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com, click on Free Inspection and Estimate in the upper right-hand corner, fill out the online form, earn FTL 50 bucks. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line tonight. 
It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And on our website, you will find the chat room. You can go to chat.freetalklive.com to get right to it. It's free. It's open 24 hours a day. But the best time to be there is during the live show hours, Monday through Saturday from 7 to 10 o'clock at night Eastern time. Chat.freetalklive.com. Now, how would you like to pay higher prices for goods and services? Well, you do. Who wants to do that? Every time someone doesn't pay their bills. See, it's one of the many compelling reasons that SACL CAI has been at the cornerstone of collections for more than 35 years. Before you pay higher prices, think whether the business, be it a bank, hospital, retail store, or utility, that you know about could use some help with their collections to contain costs. So they're not passed on to you. Tell them to call the dedicated collections experts at SACL CAI for a no-cost, no-obligation proposal. SACL CAI, see their banner at freetalklive.com. Now, we've talked about the healthcare thing here tonight. Uh, we had a caller explaining what things were like out there in, in South Korea, for instance. And uh, the healthcare issue has been front and center in the national debate. And, of course, as we pointed out, the debate is not really much of a debate. It's more of a discussion over which direction the government control should go in. And none of the directions that are being proposed has to do with less government control. None of them. It's just the Democrats are proposing one version of government control and the Republicans are proposing a modified version of the government control. So that's what the so-called health care debate is. So whether one side wins or the other side wins, or they come to some sort of mixed compromise between the two, we're all going to lose. Because more government control over health care means less choice for you in the marketplace, less innovation, less availability, and it's just – it's not good. Am I using less correctly there, Mark? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so the, the whole health care debate needs a third voice. It needs another voice saying, wait a minute, what about freedom? What about the option to do as you choose if you're a health care provider? What about the option as a consumer to choose from health care providers uh, as various, uh, from various different flavors? You know, whether it be the tr- typical, uh, I don't know what the, is it allopathic medicine? Is that the word for it, Wayne? Yeah, allopathic medicine is, is the tradi- well, it's the current mainstream medicine. It's, it's cut, burn, and poison surgery. Doctors, hospitals, that sort yes, of thing. Yes, that type of thing. Versus a more alternative method. Naturopathic uh, right. or, or homeopathic. Right. Which and, th- and think what you want about either types, um, uh, you know, or any, any of the types. Um, you know, people should have the choice to use those if that's what they wish. They should. But there's no third voice in this health care debate saying we need to get the government the hell out of health care. So well, some that, are saying that, but but not enough. Not anybody not, prominent, right? I mean, who's prominently saying well, Ron that? Ron Paul is saying it, right? Okay, Ron, accepting Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. Who else is saying it? Very few. How many how many people on the talking head shows on Sunday morning are saying that? No, it's bec- it's just a debate whether they want uh, a public option or not, and you know the whole idea that that you, the, the they can force you to buy health insurance when the forty thousand or whatever people that don't have it or four million, whatever the number is, you probably can't afford it. So how are they going to afford to buy it by force? So in the, uh, the kind of the, the, the realm of giving people another choice, instead of just suggesting that the government should get out of health care, because even if somebody does enter into this discussion with that position, they're going to be laughed out of the room, right? Oh, come on, we can't do that. We've got people on Medicare. They need to be taken care of, blah, 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 all kinds of excuses as to why the government control of health care should go on. Oh, God. It's scary. Uh, we can't let the, these doctors uh, be out there doing things without the approval of the government. 
So there's all kinds of objections to that, and we can uh, we could address those objections, and we have done so in the past, and we'll I'm, I'm sure do so at a later time. But my point here is to share something from our friend Mark Stevens over at markstevens.net, M-A-R-C, that's Mark with a C, markstevens.net. He's got some great articles there, and it's been a long time since we've had the chance to read a Mark Stevens article on this this uh, show because, well, it's been a while since he's written one, and this one's a short one, but very to the point. This is the real solution to Obama's health care take. Just go about your business as if the law doesn't exist. If there really are that many people who oppose this plan, and it sure seems like it, right? All those tea parties, people getting very loud, very angry, very belligerent about this. Then all we have to do is just let Obama and his henchmen know we won't comply. It's that simple. The people who run and support the health care system who don't want the government takeover just have to refuse to cooperate with the people calling themselves government. That'll send Obama, Nancy Pelosi, and Harry Reid a short but effective message. And that is, pass whatever law you want. We won't comply. Impose your fines, and we won't pay. Now, if you're uncomfortable with not complying with the law, then consider all the other thousands of laws that people disobey every day, such as couples living together, unmarried, the so-called law, unlawful cohabitation laws, and more. Uh, you can go Plenty find, of them. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, somebody has suggested that, I think there's a lawyer that suggested that an, the average American commits three felonies per day or per week or something like that. Most Americans are relatively used to breaking the laws that are uncomfortable or that, that uh, they would rather not uh, abide by. So Mark says, nonviolent, non-cooperation is the only method politicians have no weapon to oppose. They ignore the tea parties and all the venting on the talk radio shows. They couldn't care less if you don't like their so-called laws. However, there's nothing they can do when people nonviolently refuse to cooperate. Instead of telling politicians you don't like their plan, envision hospital administrators, chairmen, doctors, nurses, etc., calling into, calling into all the radio and television shows, telling Obama, Pelosi, and Reid, we're not going to cooperate. Imagine millions of postcards to Obama, Pelosi, and Reid telling them we're not going to comply. Forget asking a politician anything. We're telling the alleged servants, and there's nothing they can do about it. Let every call to a radio show end with... I won't comply. Let them ignore us. It doesn't matter. Without us, they can't implement their plans. Now, Mark Stevens is the author of Adventures in Legal Land. I've heard uh, that he's working on a new book. I'm a big fan of uh, of his work. I think he's a brilliant thinker and a real sharp dude, and it's always always fun having him on the program, uh, even if it's just in, in written form. And he's absolutely right. Isn't that what the people in India did to revolt against the British? They just stopped complying. That's what you have to do. That's the real solution, I think, to this government problem. You will not get anywhere by begging them to do the right thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with being involved in the political process here and trying to get um, get them to Sure you do, Mark. You don't think that the federal government will respond. You've told me before. You're right. I don't think they will, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being involved. And it may very well be that, you know, it's, it's pretty clear this thing has been stopped. It's been stopped. It's been stopped. It's been installed. It, it, it's, been, it, it, it's not going to go through in the form that Obama wants it so? to go through. That's not a success. It's going to go through in some form, don't you think? Look, Ian, 
Would you rather have your finger cut off or your arm cut off? I don't care, Mark. I'm not going to choose that. I'm I'm not <laughs> interested in getting into this debate. I'm not interested in begging politicians to uh, do me nice, to bend me over and lube me up. Oh, thank you for lubing me before you raped me anally. Thank you so much, oh, Mr. Whoever-You-Are politician. There's nothing about thanking anyone for anything here, well, Ian. Well, that's what the political process is. It's no, a bunch it's of not. supplicating. There isn't, but the, you, it's you supplicating. You decide that it's supplicating or not. It is. I say... When they say it's trying to prevent harm to being committed against your friends, your family, and your neighbors. You and I both know it's not going to prevent any of that from happening. It's because trying to prevent the trying harm. Trying isn't good enough. What you need Look, to do I'm is stop obeying. A stop op- I'm, I'm all, all right, for then. not complying. Good. Because but that's the I say get involved in the political this. process ahead, too. Well, Try to do whatever you can more. for liberty. Right. Look at what the political process has brought us so far. People need to stand Bigger strong. government every single year. That's what Mark is saying here. You need to stand strong and say no. Do until that people are willing and to get involved in the political until process. Until people are willing to say no, nothing's going to change. The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola, and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those, including the bulletin board system with over 490,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com, bbs.freetalklive.com. Audiblepodcast.com offers over 60,000 downloadable audiobooks, magazines, and radio shows for your iPod or MP3 player. You can play them on your home computer, too, if you'd like. You can try one of them out by downloading a free audiobook at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's the way to get the free one is audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. They have all the newest releases over there. These aren't, uh, you know, off-brand books or anything like that. This is the These are the big-name authors and the new releases at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. All right, before we continue with the phone calls, Mark, I want to hash this discussion out with you here that we had had there toward the end of that last segment about Mark Stevens' suggestion here is what caused the discussion to happen. Mark suggesting that... Regardless of whether the Democrats' health care bill gets changed around, some new government control system is going to be put into place on the health care industry. And what he was saying is the way to stop this is for people to say, we're not going to obey. We're not going to comply with your diktats. We're not going to pay your fines if you impose them upon us. We're not going along with this government-run health care program or whatever the, the new modifications are. And you were saying you're all in favor of that, and that's good. But at the same time, you were saying, you think you should get involved with the political system and do what you can to change things from within inside the system. Sure. Right? That's what you were saying. All right, Mark, how much have you done? Um, I've, I, you know, I'm on the downsized DCs list, and I, mm-hmm. I yeah. contact my, uh, my Congress critters on a regular basis. Sometimes I'll call their offices. Sometimes I'll... You called on this issue? 
The healthcare on this on the healthcare issue. I'm sure I've sent emails. I don't know if I've made a telephone call on this. Wait a minute, Mark. Issue. Aren't you concerned about the health of Americans? I mean, don't you want to make it so they have just their finger cut off instead of their whole arm cut off? That was the example you used. If you're not putting all the effort into uh, to change the system, that you're not doing as much as you could. I've, um, People could get their arms cut off because well, you didn't make one phone call to the representatives. I could drive down to Washington D.C. I mean, you could. That's you could right. Take you need as, to put it all I could, in. I could put a. Uh, I could camp out on their doorsteps. I mean, you can take this as far as you want. I put an email in, which is. Uh, it was infinitely more than the average American that cares mm-hmm. about this has done. Right. So, okay, so when you say get involved in the political system, you mean just use downsizedc.org to send an email to the, to the reps? It's easy. Okay, so that's that's your extent of how sometimes far I call get them, involved. but I, you know, when, I, when you call Shouldn't a national you run for rep- office too, if you're concerned, I mean, well, it's not a bad idea. Where, where are you, you going to run? Uh, I've, I've got, I can't run for office. Oh, I see. I'd lose my job. Well, how's that? Well, you can't be on the air and run for a national office. Oh, Plus, I'm not going to get elected. You know, I, mm. like, I don't have the money. I'm not going to. No one's going to vote for a convicted murderer for state rep. I mean, that's that's a pretty easy run for the, the, the Democrat or the Republican that's running against me, depending on where I decide to run for. I mean, run as a Democrat. What's that? Run as a Democrat. Do you think I'll have a better shot that way? Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Look, if you think that you can make a difference within the the, the political system, and I think Plus, that- I don't think anybody's going to believe I'm a Democrat. That that's the, the the fact is I am not a Democrat. I I'm I'm a Republican. Um, if you're going to pick be put me in one of the two categories, and that's what most people are going to decide. You're either one or the other. Um, they they, they don't think they don't but see I all you were these a peace Republican. They don't see all these uh, areas of gray that the one might be. So if you pick one, then. I'm so people. It is disingenuous to say I'm a Democrat. You could actually you can hyphenate your party in this in, in the state, so you can say you're running as a Democrat slash Republican or or a Republican slash Libertarian. So you be like a what, classical Democrat, which was much more liberty oriented back in the day. What uh, what what side of the line would I be on? Would I get? I mean, you know, it's it's a big deal as to be in one of the major parties as opposed to running, you know, some some made up party. I could be the uh, I could be the Flying Goose Party if I wanted to be that. However, it's not going to really do me any good on getting uh, you know ballot access and okay so like that. so we're getting a little far off track here what i'm pointing out here mark is you made it sound like people need to get involved in the political process and make changes but then you just admitted that well you're you can't run for office and because of this that and this and whatever and also you've really only sent emails out through downsizedc.org so you really haven't gotten involved in any significant form in the political process right yeah, but you could help run somebody's campaign who you liked for example I've donated to campaigns yeah. um, this I, season. Yep. Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, I did. Who's, I just went. Uh, Bob Guida. He is a uh, you know he's one of these ninety ninety five percenters that's uh, running for state house. Um, I, no, know, no, we're not talking about state politics. Uh, here, Scott, Mark. I'm not. I'm talking about say, federal my, politics. My mistake. My mistake. He's running for the House of Representatives of of uh, the United States. He seemed like he was okay, and I I've tossed in a few bucks. Okay. So so you've tossed in a few bucks into somebody's campaign, you've sent an email or two through downsizedc.org, and I just wanted – you made it sound like what people should do is get really involved. You, that's what you made it sound like, and it sounds to me like I you haven't really done that much. I think people should do things, and one of those things I think that people should really look at is acting like they're free and not being involved. I'm all for that. Another thing I think that you should do is – 
tell the Congress critters you're not interested in their in their uh, you know their cap and trade and their health care. I think that that's having an effect. Did it have an effect with the bailouts? It didn't. But that just because it didn't work one time, it did have just an effect. Once? By the way, it did have an effect with the bailouts. They stopped it before it went through. Right. Then and they, it was they, worse. Yes, and they rammed it through about few what was it, two weeks later. Not even. And so, it, it was about a thousand more pages. Yeah, it was terrible. It was it was absolutely awful. It was this a, is one that's a, it's a great instance as to why being involved with the political process stinks. Although they probably would have done the same thing anyway. It's just they had a chance to, to lay more of well, it out into law. And at the time you were admitting that you didn't really feel like there was anything significant that had come of all of the efforts because you had pointed out that We'd heard from the so-called, uh, I guess, the aides of the representatives that they were getting calls 100 to 1 or 50 to 1 or something like that against the bailouts. And so it seems like a no-brainer, right? I mean, if they're supposedly representing people, then they should have gone ahead and, and shot it down. Mm. But, of course, they didn't. And yeah. it was one of the most overwhelming turnouts as far as against one particular thing. It and was I very think, overwhelming. I think that um, that some politicians, I think that uh, I think the Republican Party, to some extent, if you can, you know, label, make some kind of label, has learned a little bit of a lesson on the idea of going against what their constituents want. <laughs> a little bit. I think so. Huh? Hey, man, they've suckered you back in. I Look, can see. I, I don't can believe tell. the United States should exist, but while they're out there harming people and mm-hmm. using force against people, we should beg. Yeah, yeah. Look, Ian, if a cop was standing no. there with a gun to your head, I would beg him not to shoot you. Yeah, I'm not, not too happening. big. I'm not that's too not big for that, Ian. I'll beg to keep you from getting hurt. I don't mind. Okay. You had said before that you didn't think that there was any possibility yeah, to change the federal government. No, brush I'm brushing it off because you've you've you know you've you've changed your tune, Mark. You've said before in the past, especially after the bailout thing, that you didn't believe there was any chance to change the uh, the federal government. That they were going to do what they were going to do, and now you're saying, get no, no, involved, no, get involved. No, 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 no. The, the, the fact is, you might be able to turn a river a little bit. You can change the trickle. But you're right, absolutely, the federal government is on a crash course towards giant socialism. And there's nothing that the average individual can do to stop it. However, so just say if obeying? they get involved, then they can realize, oh, holy crap, this doesn't work. Maybe I'll move to New Hampshire, get involved. In their political process there, I, at the or at the very least, advocate for uh, sovereignty or independence for their particular state. Something I think people should do something. Sitting around saying there's nothing you can do anyway is a real good way for no people that, that are trying to live free to get picked off one by one. I didn't one. say that. I didn't say sit around and say there's nothing you can do. I said tell them if you're going to tell them something, it's don't don't make it. Please do this for me, Massa. Make it. I ain't obeying. Okay. I'm not going to do what you're demanding. I'm Stand not out there with a target on your chest. Well, it's fine. more it's more difficult to say I'm not going to participate in the bailouts when it's not really your your um, uh, impetus. But when it comes to cap and trade or even the healthcare system, they do it does require more of the participation of, of Americans, and and so it's a little easier to just withdraw your consent from that because you can say, well, uh, how well, cap and trade is being is I guess they're going to tax you on your carbon footprint. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Well, we don't know the details yet, but it's easier to refuse to participate. The second thing is, in the last few months, is that the level of anger and frustration against them is is coming to a head now. Last year, people had hope that maybe with the new president, things would change. Now they see nothing has changed. People are a lot more angry and a lot more uh, willing to uh, pursue alternative methods to get liberty and, and, you know, 
I think, the system. I think you should get involved in what works, and I've seen the politics actually make a difference here in New Hampshire on a local level. I've seen there, that's, I've seen some changes being made. I think that that can be effective. I don't think there's anything you can do at the federal level. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you want to help support the show, one of the ways you can do that is by going to promote.freetalklive.com. And you can get a whole list of things that you can do to get Free Talk Live on more radio stations, more uh, internet connections, help expose new people to the ideas of freedom, all at promote.freetalklive.com. Now, we were talking about the Mark Stevens article. That's Mark with a C, markstevens.net, the real solution to Obama's health care uh, plan or the Republicans' plan or whatever the hell other plan they want to force down your throats, is to say no, is to have the doctors and the health care providers and the people that are going to be the ones that are mandated to do certain things uh, to start to stop or to stop starting uh, to stop obeying these damn bureaucrats and their diktats. It's a but great it, solution, but but it's, it's fantasy. It, it it's, is fantasy. It's not going and to happen. That's that's what uh, you know. What we just discussed between you and I. You don't get to control what other people do. It's a great solution. Other people should do such and such. However, you only get to decide what you're going to do. And I'm all for whatever kind of action people want to take on this. If they want to, you know, go get a tent and go down to Washington D.C. and camp out on the the, the mall until uh, the until Washington gets the well, heck out of uh, healthcare, which is going to happen. You need a permit for that. What difference does it make? If they want to do that, Fine. No, no, no. It's fine. You should do what you feel is right, but I hope you'll an- analyze whatever it is you do and determine whether or not what you've done has been effective in any way, shape, or form. And if what you determine has not been effective, uh, you should start doing something different. Because that's a big problem that we face is with activists out there trying the same old things <laughs> same over, thing and over, over and over and over again, like it's going to work this time. Like <laughs> running another libertarian candidate for, uh, for for office as though they're going to have a chance. Uh, you know, the same kind of tech, uh, the approaches used over and over again. So I love Mark Stevens' idea, non-cooperation, very powerful. It can bankrupt the state. It can really harm their legitimacy. But most Americans are so docile and pathetic and obedient that they're never going to consider something like that because, oh, my God, they might pull my license. Oh, no, they might ruin my career. And, you know, it's a legitimate concern. It absolutely is. But if you're serious about opposition to this health care program, to this modification, then you really need to put it on the line. You need to take some risk and show how serious you are. Otherwise, you're just a whiner. You're just somebody who, oh, please, please don't hurt me. I'm not willing to do anything except beg, but please don't hurt me. Now, I don't blame you for doing that. I mean, you've got to do what you've got to do, and if you feel like that's all you can do, then that's all you can do. But if you were to actually not go along with it, if you were to get together with other people in your industry and say, look, this is it. We've had enough. It's been regulation after regulation, paperwork mandate after paperwork mandate, control after control. We've had it. We're just going to start offering our services without all this governmental crap attached to them. 
Well, that's what's happening with the nurses in New York and in Europe and other parts of the world. They're, they're resisting these mandated flu vaccinations right now. And it's, there's a big uproar over is it, it. Is that true? Really? Yes. Oh, yes. Isn't it the case in New York that they're going to fire anybody that resists that? Yes, and they're doing it anyway. They're resisting Good for anyway. Them. That's exactly what needs to happen, and I'm glad to hear that it's actually happening. And that's here. how you put. That's how you put a stop to tyranny in its tracks. Absolutely right. And I think that it's more likely to happen in a place here, uh, like we have here in New Hampshire, where liberty-minded people are gathering specifically for the purpose of achieving liberty in their lifetimes. Whether it's through the political system or through uh, non-cooperation, I think that both of those options will be much more powerful here because it's just more deliberate instead of. Instead of it being people that happen to come together on one issue in one occasion, like might be happening with the vaccine thing, you've got people that are making the, uh, they're pulling up their lives, they're uprooting themselves, they're moving to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project to get active on various different things, and it's an amazing movement. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more about it. That's freestateproject.org. As we go to Dustin in Washington, you're on Free Talk Live, Dustin. Dustin in Washington, you are on the air. What's on your mind tonight? I just wanted to bring up a video game I'm kind of working on. Um, I guess I'm putting out the idea so someone else might jump to it more quickly. It's called um, Intergalactic Evolution. And uh, I got the idea from a guy named Michio Kaku. Have mm-hmm. you heard of this guy? I have heard of him. He's our competitor. He's your competitor? Barely. Michio he's, Kaku? He's a talk show host and a scientist. Oh, yeah. He's a theoretical physicist. And he's talking about, like, there's an evolution, you know, like, First, like, a civilization controls the entire planet, sort of, mm-hmm. and then it controls the star at the center of the, the solar system, and then it controls the black hole at the center of the, the galaxy. And I'm kind of making a game themed on that. I'm not sure exactly how that goes. I mean, what, it, what would you do in the game? What's the object? To control the galaxy? Um, well, right now I'm kind of confused. Like, when we're talking about resources, it seems like war is fought over dwindling resources on the planet, right? To a degree. Maybe, yeah, some would say. Yeah, and, well, it's kind of confusing because, like, when when we're talking about the energy output of a star, it's every second it puts out more power than all civilization has used. Mm -hmm. So, like, where's the running out of energy? Where's the running out of resources? It's not possible. You have to be able to tap it. Yeah. Well, will there be a war, like, once we've gone to that point? We Maybe. run out of resources and fight for it. You know, some would suggest that the conflict in the Middle East is uh, about oil. Some would make that suggestion. Maybe that's true to, to an extent, but maybe it's also about getting military contracts. Maybe that's really what the motivation is. Maybe the motivation is to go and send people to their doom uh, so that more tanks can be built and more bombers can be built, bombs and guns, uh, ammunition manufactured and sold to the federal government. And the federal government gets to print out as much money as they want to to buy those things to help their buddies in industry. Maybe that's what it's really about. Yeah. Or maybe it's also about just hating other people for being uh, looking different. It's also about culling the population. To help the falling economy. Well, they could call the population in a more effective way than uh, than war. Well, war is a classic a classic way to call the population. That's true. Does that answer your question? Well, I don't know. I mean, there there could be peace though. There could be like universal peace once you've reached a certain point. You know, I hope where so. everyone's kind of got so much access to so much power that it kind of they have to be peaceful or or it's. I think, that, upon itself. I think that to some extent, some level of peace is uh, sustainable. If you're talking about peace as conflict between uh, nation states or something like that, and I think that that's possible. I do believe that we are moving towards a more voluntary or completely voluntary sort of society. I think that that's going to happen, maybe even before we reach the stars. 
But um, there will always be conflict. I mean, you know, people are going to live in proximity to each other, and um, like Ian's always going to be an idiot, and there's always going to be <laughs> Mark's a same always going to use ad hominems, same he has person no like me around that <laughs> coherent you know, argument, and someone one of them isn't going to have the the kind of patience that I have, and one of them's going to pop him. So there's going to be <laughs> so they're like two brothers, aren't they? <laughs> there's gonna, there's always going to be conflict. Well, now you do. Yeah, apparently so. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, here's a question: Is the world more peaceful now than it was a hundred, two hundred, five hundred years ago? I have no way of answering it. I wasn't around then, so I, I don't know. And if I was around, I wouldn't have had a worldwide perspective to know for sure. But are there fewer con uh, conflicts at this time in history mm. than there were in the past? I think that one of the things that's different today than it was um, previously is uh, today you don't have to serve in the military, whereas uh, many, most nations, mm-hmm. most places, essentially, if you know you got tapped on the shoulder, it, you're, you're going to go fight. You know what, too? I think that we're moving into an era where it's actually more difficult for politicians to divide people because we can communicate over the Internet now with people all over the world, even the show reaches people from from other countries the gatekeepers aren't there anymore and the and the gatekeepers are starting are starting to fall out by the wayside and therefore i think that we have a greater potential for peace now going forward than ever before i think you're right about that hey uh dustin i wish we had more time good luck with your game uh, and tell us more as it develops let's go to jeremy in florida you're on free talk live jeremy hello jeremy you're on the air what's on your mind uh, not much. I just this is my first time listening to the show. Welcome. And, uh, wow. Uh, thank you. And I just was heard you talk earlier about uh, you know contacting your congressman and you know trying to get things done. And I, I'm really convinced that there's really no way to get it done in the framework of of government. So that would be my first comment. But uh, you know, I guess I have some questions about um, where to go from there. All right, I mean, sure. Let's say let's say we had we had a society where uh, there was no uh, government or there was little government. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. We've arrived. Um, do you see any problems with things like, um, you know, security, uh, with, um, you know, cultures getting along uh, inside nations, you know, uh, things like that? This seem to be a concern for me. I, uh, well, good questions. We've got like 20 seconds to answer them. So okay. I'd like to invite you to call back. It may be toward the beginning of an hour or toward the beginning of the show tomorrow night. We can get into it a little bit further. But as far as problems between cultures, I think cultures have mixed fairly effectively here. Uh, here in, in the United, United States, States, I think that the, you know elsewhere around the world there's going to be problems. Um, I, and I think that as far as security is concerned, if there's something that's demanded in the marketplace, if the market is demanding security, then people that want to profit are going to provide those methods of security, whether it's something as simple as locks on your front door, to security systems, to having some sort of security squad that will show up when you call them uh, to defend you, that kind of thing, or you know, missile defense. It can all be provided by the, uh, the free marketplace. But we're out of time. We'll talk to you tomorrow online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Mark Interview Series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and here's Mark. So um, we've been do- I've, I've been setting up a bunch of interviews because I want to get some interviews for our uh, podcast listeners. I know you guys uh, you know, like to have a little extra content, and there's some people out there that I want to talk to. And one of the people that I really do respect, uh, sort of in the the foreign policy area, probably the guy that I uh, I follow the most in foreign policy, and 
and read all of his articles at antiwar.com is um, Scott Horton. Scott, uh, are you there? I'm here. Excellent. Thanks very much for having me. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot going on around the world, and I kind of would like to – I'd like to talk to you a little more regular. Just, uh, you know, I, I have a general overview of what uh, I think about foreign policy, but you guys at Anywar, and you specifically, certainly know your stuff on the specifics. And so I'd like to, to be better armed on the, uh, the, the foreign policy area. Let's talk I'm happy about – help in any way I can. Well, let's talk about Afghanistan. All right. <laughs> well, what do you think? Tell me, tell me about Afghanistan. Well, I, I think the first thing that everyone needs to understand about Afghanistan is that it just can't be conquered. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe if we hadn't just had the economic crisis and you could create a trillion and pay each Afghan a million each or something to stop fighting us for a while, maybe that would work for a little while. But ultimately... You know, the truth of the matter is that Genghis Khan and Alexander the Great, the British Empire, uh, which ruled the whole world for, what, 300 years or more, uh, the Soviet Union, uh, which was uh, the second most powerful force in the history of mankind, could not conquer that land. America had an extremely limited mission there in November of 2001, and George Bush and Dick Cheney and George Tenet and Donald Rumsfeld and their deputies uh, Tommy Franks uh, over at the Pentagon, uh, they either deliberately or otherwise failed to stop Osama bin Laden from escaping at the Tora Bora Mountains in November 2001, or maybe it was early December 2001. Uh, they said, we got them surrounded on three sides. And they escaped. Uh, I'm in al-Zawahiri and Osama bin Laden, both of them still, literally, this is not a rerun, in 2009. In, in the fall of 2009, these two men are still podcasting from the Hindu Kush mountains. Thousands and thousands of people have been killed, except the people who actually deserved it for attacking us on September 11th. They, of course, used that attack as an excuse to go to Iraq, Somalia, uh, all over Africa, and, and put bases all throughout Central Asia, and, uh, you know, threatening Iran now. Uh, everything but getting basically the two guys who were the bosses of this very small group of Saudi and Egyptian exile terrorists who attacked us on September 11th. And so now here's Barack Obama uh, in this political position, which is, of course, all he cares about. I mean, the guy's basically just ambition in a suit. And so what he cares about is himself here. And how can he leave Afghanistan as long as right-wing Republicans are going to say he surrendered to the war on terror, uh, like Bill O'Reilly says on Fox News, if we leave, then the terrorists win. Never mind whose fault it is that Osama bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawahiri are still alive. And uh, basically, our choices, apparently, there's a debate inside the administration uh, now that uh, General McChrystal, who's in charge in Afghanistan, has issued his report asking for 45,000 more troops on top of the 20,000 he already got uh, just to start. Uh, eventually, they want 500,000 more over the next five years. And as Obama pretends to be undecided on this and is waiting to make his announcement about his actual decision about 
whether to escalate further or not. Uh, the newspapers are full of accounts, uh, particularly the New York Times and Washington Post, are full of accounts of a split within the administration. Some of them want to, uh, particularly the Hillary Clinton-Richard Holbrook faction, want to completely take over and occupy Afghanistan on the Korean model, you know, 50, 100 years uh, indeterminate into the future to build a nation, build a democracy, and do all these things. And then there's the Joe Biden faction, Vice President Biden, who instead wants to scale down the nation building and invade Pakistan. So, uh, you know, basically... Sign up your one son, because this is indeed the long war, and it's going to go on for a long, long time. They're not going to get mine. Did you say that Osama bin Laden is, is, is in the Hindu Kush mountains? What, what, what did you just say? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I, honestly, I'm not the master of this kind of topography, but somewhere up in there in what they call northern and southern Waziristan, which are two different provinces, and what they call the northwestern federally administered tribal areas. This is basically the northwestern area of Pakistan. Okay. And they are, quote-unquote, you know, nominally part of the Pakistani state. But when the Pakistani state was created, when it broke away from India uh, back at the end of the 40s and, and uh, Pakistan became a state, they basically made a deal with the tribal leaders there that they would remain autonomous. They, you know, that you can call this Pakistan, but this is our land kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, the, so the Pakistani state, it's the most rugged terrain on earth. You know, it'd be like trying to fight in the Rocky Mountains or something against the Wolverines on their home territory. And, uh, you know, the helicopters can't drop off troops up there. You know, you can't do, uh, you know, all that kind of fighting. And so they're basically just relying on drones, and uh, they seem to be doing nothing but kill innocent people. And, and uh, of course, Hillary Clinton a few months back went to Pakistan and insisted that Zadari start a civil war. And basically, you know, no more pussyfooting around like it used to be with Musharraf. This time we're here is we want a full-scale invasion of this northwestern part of Pakistan. And what they succeeded in doing for sure was create three million refugees and bad blood to last generations. Uh, who knows how many innocent people killed? I don't think anybody does. And, of course, uh, bin Laden and Zawahiri are still putting out podcasts, and uh, they've succeeded in doing nothing other than killing a bunch of people and radicalizing more enemies against the United States. Well, Scott, the fact I- of the matter is, it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, if a prosecutor fails to do their job in convicting a guilty murderer, we, you have to acquit that man. You have to let him go because you don't just let the state go around convicting people if they don't do their job beyond that reasonable doubt. Sure. We don't, and, and if you have a problem with that, then elect a better district attorney, right? Well, this is sort of the same thing the way I see it, at least in Afghanistan. Uh, you hired George Bush to be your alpha male. Well, he failed you. He allowed Osama bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawahiri to go. And now we've had eight years of war, uh, you know, trillions spent, uh, uncounted dollars spent, uh, uncounted innocent bloodshed. And it's time to just say, look, you know what? We had our chance and we blew it. And it's your fault for voting Republican. People, you know, accept responsibility. Well, I think there's still a, an opportunity to get Osama bin Laden if they, if you wanted to do that. You could still, still do a letter of mark and reprisal, um, and perhaps that would work. But I just don't see, uh, you know, the, I, I, the, clearly the military option isn't working. That that much seems clear to me. You know, there's well, also I'm, there's also those. I'm not even who, sure it's clear they're trying to get him. Yeah, well, there's also those who say he he died in December of 2001. So uh, who knows who's really doing those podcasts, but isn't the real issue over in Afghanistan oil and poppy? Uh, 
Well, there's certainly, uh, you know, multi tens of billions of dollars a year drug trade, if not hundreds of billions of dollars a year. Um, and, of course, there are a lot of pipeline routes and would-be pipeline routes from Central Asia, uh, perhaps one day to China. Exactly. Uh, they had the friendship pipeline that was supposed to go from Iran through yeah. Afghanistan and Pakistan. Or No, no, it was going to skip Afghanistan because Iran and Pakistan share a border in the south. It was going to go from Iran through Pakistan and into India. And America, of course, trampled all over the nonproliferation treaty that we're endlessly beating the Iranians over the head with in order to make a nuclear deal with the Indians that we would help them with their nuclear weapons program if only they would drop out of that so-called friendship pipeline there. So, uh, yes, certainly there are, uh, you know, if the question is really, you know, why are we there, I think you have to break out your fingers and toes and start counting. But uh, drug money, certainly, oil pipeline routes and, and uh, dominance over uh, who gets to decide which way they go. Of course, all the generals who have a brand-new spiffy base in Kyrgyzstan or whatever want to keep it. So you have, you know, the Pentagon uh, bureaucratic inertia of just never wanting to scale back anything ever, uh, going on, which I think is one of the most powerful forces in our entire society, certainly in that war. And, um, and again, Barack Obama not wanting to look like a wimp, which is exactly what all the right-wing warmongers will say about him if he does the right thing, which he won't. Yeah, it's it's clearly it's clear he's signed his name to this this war and he intends to win it. Whatever the heck that looks like, um, there's nothing to win at this point. There's no there's no goal for the United States. Let's go well, on know, to Richard Holbrook, the special envoy, said exactly what you just said. What is victory? We'll know it when we see it. <laughs> oh boy! Now let's go on to Iraq. I, I I heard Obama say during his campaign that Iraq was the wrong war and that he was going to get us out of there. How's that going? Well, I I will say that as far as I can tell, U.S. troops are almost entirely staying to their bases outside of the cities. The days of uh, the Civil War, the worst of the Civil War, over the days of um, you know house to house raids and insurgent hunting and uh, and you know humiliating Iraqis on the side of the road, Blackwater shooting them down for sport. Those kind, those the worst of those days apparently are over at least for now. And. Uh, the problem with Barack Obama's withdrawal from Iraq plan is it's not his plan. It's the plan that George Bush and Nuri al-Maliki worked out before George Bush left power. And what it says is that American combat forces between basically right now, between, you know, last month or, or, you know, uh, I guess August 10th or something is the day. Beginning then, between then and next August 10th, is when we're supposed to uh, draw down, you know, 100,000 troops or so, and be down to about 50,000 uh, that they'll call combat forces, and they're renaming them. They're calling them force protection and counterterrorism forces and training forces and different things. But they're supposed to be down to uh, about approximately 50,000 troops uh, by August of next year, 2010, and then they have a year and a half from then, they have till. Uh, the end of 2011, December 31st, 2011, to have all forces out. So what's Jeez. happened is the withdrawal is, as you can see, very backloaded. And we have years to sit around and kill time waiting for Barack Obama to be a liar on this. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to know. We're not going to be able to say he's a liar. He's not leaving until that's the case. And right now what we have is this thing where they've drawn back to their bases in anticipation of withdrawing completely, and 
Yeah, what are they doing you know, there in their bases? The violence perpetrated by Americans has been minimized. The political problems, the benchmarks. Remember, by August, or then they delayed it, October 2007, we were supposed to have met all these political benchmarks for the future of Iraq. Right. None of those, none of that has been accomplished at all. So and there are a great many unresolved questions between the political power factions inside Iraq and all that. So, um, Scott, what, but, are the, what are the troops doing there in these, uh, how, many, how many troops are there? 100,000 troops in Iraq right now? And what are they well, doing? Polishing boots? Thousand and plus about a hundred and something thousand contractors on top of that. I don't know what percentage. So got a quarter million people. Forces. So there's a quarter I'm million sorry? people doing what? Well, I like to believe that mostly what they're doing is sitting on their bases, but you know, there's really just not that much of a media presence in Iraq, and you know, there's really not that much detail. I mean. Mm. Uh, from what I understand, they're no longer patrolling all around all the time. Uh, certainly there are bombings here and there. Uh, I, I don't believe, I, I guess it's been at least a few weeks or maybe even more than that since I've heard of roadside bombs killing American soldiers in Iraq, yes. certainly in Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, Afghanistan, uh, I've been hearing about it, yeah. Yeah. Now, but, um, uh, you know, and the thing is, too, when Obama announced that uh, we were getting out of there in his big Camp Lejeune speech, there were some glaring errors of omission there, mm-hmm. such as, well, what about air power? And what about Kurdistan? And if we rename all of our different forces, we want to keep counterterrorism forces and force protection forces and things like that. Does that mean that we can have 100,000 troops and call it 50,000 combat troops? Uh, does that mean we can have 150,000 and call it 50,000 combat troops. Uh, you know, if, if these uh, definitions are as malleable as they say, we have a real problem. And here's the most important point. I'm sorry, I should have said this at the very beginning. When Barack Obama gave his Camp Lejeune speech, one minute before the speech began, Jim McLeshesky, the, I don't know, generation-long NBC Pentagon reporter, said, well, I'm talking to generals here at the Pentagon. They say we're staying in Iraq forever. And they say they don't really care what Obama says. This, this is not going to end. So the fact that the withdrawal is backloaded three years and that he's got three years to be a liar on it and so forth is uh, you know, going to, I think, uh, prove to be a real problem in the future. I do not anticipate a full withdrawal. I mean, after all, why are you going to invade a country and kill a million people if you're not going to keep it? We stole it fair and square. That's the point of view of the American elite. What are we going to do? Let you know a bunch of other countries come in and make a bunch of money off Iraq's oil? You're Hell probably no. right. You're probably right. Okay, Somalia. What the heck happened Somalia, there? Somalia makes me about as mad as anything in this world, and for one reason more than any other, and that is that the media just will not cover it. They just will not cover it because apparently the lives of Somalis means nothing. Well, they don't have a real well, government, so they're just a bunch of savages. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they're very dark skinned in East Africa. I mean, when their bodies are burning, it's not like we can smell it and it ruins our dinner. So who cares? <laughs> and the fact is that the current crisis in Somalia, which is among the worst humanitarian crises in the world, is all America's fault. The American government, hey, to a degree, the American people's fault. Cheney in the Christmas of 2006 backed the Ethiopian invasion, green lighted, armed, paid the Ethiopian army, to invade that country, to overthrow what was called the Islamic Courts Union. The only reason that the Islamic Courts Union had a, a actual, you know, finally a monopoly on power in that country, which is almost unheard of uh, since the days of the American-backed communists in the 1980s, um, was because 
Dick Cheney previously had backed the warlords. Uh, that's right. Remember Black Hawk Down, the evil warlord, Adid, and all of his allies? Well, Adid's son became Dick Cheney's agent in Somalia. And Dick Cheney armed and backed and trained the uh, warlords to try to overthrow this Islamic group that was coming to power. Well, all that did was rally the people of Somalia around the new Islamic Courts Union, which then threw the warlords completely out. Were they then, with the cooperation of the United States and the United Nations and the Ethiopian government, they created a bogus government in exile, which Christmas 2006, Dick Cheney and the American Empire Ethiopia Division invaded in order to install in power there. Well, what happened was the Ethiopian army got creamed by the local population and were forced out. And now what remains is a, the shell of the uh, bogus government in exile that America tried to install there, and it is now inhabited, that, that shell of a government is now inhabited by the very people that the war was waged to throw out. <laughs> but now they have a new war on their hands, the people who were much more radical than them, that they allied with to try to repel Dick Cheney's Ethiopian invasion. And so, uh, you know, in some total, here's the score. More than a million and a half people on the brink of starvation. Last I checked, how many of those actually died of starvation? I guess we don't know yet. Certainly hundreds and hundreds of thousands of refugees, tens at the very minimum of thousands of people killed. And for what? For nothing. For here's this country where America used to back the communist dictator. Then when he fell, we tried to pick sides in this warlord thing, leading to the catastrophe of Black Hawk Down. Then they had a, you know, uh, an anarchy that was brutal, but there was the, any, any given power in the country was limited enough that they couldn't get away with anything, uh, you know, too serious against the people. Finally, they got... Uh, a very bottom-up, grassroots, you know, the oldest uh, uncles and, and grandfathers in the neighborhood kind of court council under uh, a very Somalian, East African, not, uh, you know, Saudi interpretation of Sharia. Uh, yeah, they closed down movie theaters and things like that, but it was hardly, you know, the Taliban taking over Somalia. Anyone who says that is just a liar. Mm -hmm. And... And then America came and then just smashed it again. And, you know, right now as we're having this conversation, innocent Somalis are laying dead and their blood is pouring in the gutter. And it's all the fault, most, more than anyone else, I think, of the American media, and particularly the Washington Press Corps. And, uh, and then, of course, the government agents who ordered it and the American people who tolerate every bit of this. So and, uh, why does America way, care? I'd like to mention one really great footnote, which is uh, Jesse Walker in Reason Magazine mm -hmm. uh, did an absolutely great piece of journalism on the history of American intervention in, in Somalia and the responsibility that this country bears for their pain. So why is it that America cares about Somalia? Why do we keep? Why why does the um, United States government keep on going in there and messing with uh, the Somali government as it stands at that given time? Do you happen to have a map of Earth nearby? Um, I, I, I got the interwebs, and, and they've got Earth, Earth on well, there somewhere. Yeah. All you got to do is just close your eyes and imagine what you already know about the east coast of Africa. Yeah. Somalia is the pointy point that sticks off there right mm -hmm. under the Gulf of Aden, right under the Arabian Peninsula. Yep. That is, who controls that with their battleships, with their military, controls those sea lanes. I see. So you control... It's, it's by empire. That's what it is. Empire. That thing that most people 
used to think, at least, that only communists say America's an empire. Uh, well, there are no communists anymore, and America is an empire. Yeah. So um, basically, that, that horn allows you to use battleships and uh, aircraft to control all of Asia Minor, essentially? That's the plan, yeah. I Indeed. See. In fact, uh, there's a great book about the stolen island atrocity. Uh, uh, Diego Garcia is called Island of Shame by David Vine. And he actually has a great quote in there from, uh, I believe it uh, originally came from globalsecurity.org, where they talked about how they, the military anticipates being kicked out of all these countries, or I guess that means the American people will get tired of, of paying the price in terms of terrorist attacks and, and the financial cost of occupying all these countries. So their plan is to run the whole world, that's the quote, run the whole world, from Diego Garcia and Guam by 2015. Hmm. And, of course, run the whole world simply means threaten to bomb you off the face of the earth. From Diego Garcia and Guam by 2015. Wow. I mean, how close know, are they to a, that? If I was like one one percent more of a kook, I would think, oh, I get it. These guys must be satanic. Uh, they must be, you know, some death cult of crazies. How could they be doing this? But you know, I think this is the same thing that all empires go through. You know what I mean? Everything can rationalize anything. Dan Ellsberg was on my show talking about how how he helped plan. Uh, to nuke people with hydrogen bombs, came up with the with the plans for the American, or at least you know analyzed was in the Department of Defense. As these guys are throwing around numbers of hundreds of millions of people killed in a possible uh, nuclear exchange with the Soviet Union back in those days. And I asked him, "Well, what are you people smoking?" And he says, "We're smoking rationalization. That's it. We're smoking. Hey, we're doing the right thing, right? Okay, good. So this chart that says we're going to kill 500 million people if we do this is okay." Sick. And, and then they the, go to bed what, at night, no problem. What was the rationale for wanting to kill these people? Because they were communists? or what, Well, what was, to protect the free world from them, of course. You know, what free world? To it. The, plan was, <laughs> the plan was, as old, and I, I strongly encourage everyone to go read what Dan Ellsberg is writing now at Truth Dig about uh, the history of nuclear weapons and our use and, and all that thing. But, yeah, basically the plan was to nuke every city in Russia and China. At Jeez. least. And that'll get rid of all the communists. Off the face <laughs> <laughs> Nobody want to kill you then. What um, about Vermont? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm sure they're on the list somewhere. Maybe not right up there at the top, but they're going to arrest George France, or maybe right above it. They're going to arrest George Bush if he comes to Vermont. You know, um, I'd love to see that. <laughs> it would be. I, I, I'm all for it. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Vermont isn't that big. That doesn't have that much drawing power. Again, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> It'd be funny. Now, um, yeah. apparently in uh, Honduras, uh, there in Tegucigalpa, they're not doing things properly. So the United States government has decided to sanction their Supreme Court for apparently following their constitution and not replacing the president or something like that. What's going on there? Well, you know, I wish I had better details. Uh, I probably should defer on this, uh, except to say that Hillary Clinton's great friend, uh, Lanny Davis, is a uh, ubiquitous apologist and uh, lobbyist uh, for the Democrats, uh, is you know somehow involved in all this. And, uh, you know, I think probably what it comes down to is faction fights inside the State Department or, you know, whichever uh, political factions in our country about who they want to support more. Uh, my My real only... Uh, thing that I know for a fact to say about Honduras is that it ought to be none of our business. That I agree doesn't with mean that. I'm saying that our government is not intervening there. I, I don't know exactly whose side they're intervening on and, and exactly what pressure they're adding and, and what it's supposed to accomplish. But I know that poor little Honduras ought to just be left alone. 
I agree with you completely. Okay, so you can't talk about um, war without uh, you, you can't talk about liberty without at some point uh, somebody coming up and saying, "Well, are oh, you believe in liberty, huh? Well, well, what about Israel?" As some as as though these things are somehow wrapped together. Israel is probably the biggest uh, foreign policy conundrum out there. What's um, you know that I, I've I've heard that the settlements are being stopped. I guess what's what's going on in Israel? Well, I really don't know. I think that Obama took staked out a very weak position to start, which was, you know, please begin to curb the rate of growth of expansion of these colonies in the West Bank as uh, preparation for the beginning of the talks. And Obama, I mean, uh, Netanyahu and Avigdor Lieberman just said, no, how do you like that? <laughs> and, and so he said, well, gee, I don't know. He had nowhere else to go from there. You know, it's not like he started out with, all right, close down all the settlements and then we'll negotiate from that position or anything like that. Yeah. And then now... They've brought in, uh, I think Obama had some talks with Netanyahu and with Mahmoud Abbas, who is basically the American-slash-Israeli puppet uh, president of, um, I guess you could say, the West Bank. He's the leader of the Fatah uh, uh, group. Uh, used to be the worst devils on earth. Remember the PLO? Now they're our friends against the terrible devils Hamas that we created as a nice right-wing religious counter to those secular commies of PLO back in the day. But never you mind about all that. Um, you know, basically what's happening is, I think, nothing. I think Obama, ultimately what's going to happen here is he'll have just proven to have made a terrible political mistake by taking on the Israeli-Palestinian issue at the beginning of his presidency, because he's not going to get anywhere for the same reasons that, uh, that Clinton and Bush weren't able to get anywhere when they finally started trying at the end of their presidencies. The Israelis aren't going to budge one bit, and the U.S. Congress isn't either. And as long as uh, there's no American uh, president can tell the Israelis, listen, we're going to stop buying you $15 billion worth of American taxpayer goods every year, and, you know, not to mention the cold, hard cash, uh, if you don't do what we say, as long as the Americans can't make that kind of threat, which they cannot, then the Likud party over there in Israel has no reason to bend whatsoever. Why should they? Why shouldn't they not just, uh, you know, push all the Palestinians into Jordan? What would America do about it? Nothing. The whole world would flip out. But America would say, yeah, whatever. Barack Obama would say, yeah, all right, at least you solved the issue one way or another, huh? You know, I don't know. I I can't imagine that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, thinks for a minute that he's going to give anything. Now, if Barack Obama can find a way to twist his arm, I guess we'll see. But I've put no stock in it whatsoever. What is the unfortunately? What is the answer? The the short answer for uh, you know people that believe in liberty, and if they get, I, in my opinion is you should stay the heck away from a conversation about uh, about Israel if you. You know, if somebody tries to steer you there as as though, you know, liberty can't work because of, you know, Israel. Take a look at this example here, because obviously it's a it's a disaster of colonialism. Um, you know, the, the fact that they set the nation up, uh, you know, just goes to show that it's, uh, you know, when you intervene, you create huge problems. I'm not saying I don't think the Jews should have a state. I don't know. But I can tell you that a lot of people are getting killed. A lot of people are getting hurt. And a lot of people are not. Uh, you know, they have zero representation in government as if government somehow represents liberty so what's the short answer what what is how how does one fix from if you could if you were in charge uh, scott horton briefly how do you fix israel well you know i i don't i mean my thing is non-intervention america should stop financing either side I'm for i that. like to believe and maybe this is 
ignorant, but I'd like to believe that if the Israelis had to make their own way in the world and didn't you know, know that no matter what, they could always count on America to have their back, no matter how badly they abused it, then they would have to realize that if they want for Israel to exist over the long term in the face of all the demographic challenges they're facing and everything else, uh, they're going to have to make peace with their neighbors. They're going to have to work these things out. You want the Sheba Farms back, Syria? Fine. It belongs to you anyway. You, you know, the Palestinians in the West Bank are being occupied and persecuted, and it isn't right. And everyone in the whole world knows it isn't right. At the very least, they could get the settlements out of there and, uh, you know, guarantee the security of the people there, uh, you know, but... Uh, Obviously, I'm for the no-state solution. I mean, I think that what people need is to embrace individualism. They need to put aside all their religious and tribal identities, and they need to respect each other as individuals. Simple as that. And, you know, I'm not that I'm saying that I think that time is coming soon in the Holy Land or whatever, but, you know, if, if they even had a very minarchist state there in Israel, if its only job, really, was protecting people's rights and property, then... Who cares whether Hamas or uh, the Likud party run it? What difference does it make if their only job is to be a very professional and limited police force yeah. and, you know, protect you from invasion by the Saudis or whatever? You know, that'll be the day. Right. I mean, uh, you know, the, the solution is liberty. Uh, I do not believe that the solution is for America to choose because I don't think that works. I mean, we've seen this whole time how it doesn't work. Yeah, well, I think I, that I, the incentive needs to be, the onus needs to be on Israel to work out their own problems and hopefully cross fingers in a peaceful way. Yep, that sounds like a good solution to me. That's pretty much what I've been saying along. So I guess I, I like being agreed with. Okay, so um, the... Let me, give me a chance to debunk the lies about Iran. Do we have time? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I got one more after Iran. All right, well, this is really important about Iran. Everyone needs to understand, I'll say as quick as I can. Any nation that is a member of the Nonproliferation Treaty, which includes Iran, has a safeguards agreement with the International Atomic Energy Agency as part of their signature to the Nonproliferation Treaty. And any non-nuclear weapons state, that is, any, any country that is not, does not already possess nuclear weapons, like Iran. that signs the Nonproliferation Treaty, like is Iran. thereby promising not to make nuclear weapons and okay. to allow the International Atomic Energy Agency access to all their nuclear facilities to verify that they do not divert any of their nuclear material to a military or other special purpose, as they say. Okay. And what the IAEA has done repeatedly unendingly, with no exceptions in any report, is to continue to verify the non-diversion of nuclear material in Iran to any military or other special purpose. That is, all their uranium is accounted for. That means every bit of enrichment that takes place happens under the watchful eye of international U.N. cops with radiation detectors in their hands and clipboards and security cameras and sensors and everything else. These facilities in Iran are, quote, unquote, capital S, safeguarded. Okay? And what that means it is, is it is impossible for them to make a nuclear weapon without doing the following. Withdrawing from the nonproliferation treaty kicking the IAEA inspectors out of their country, taking down the cameras, taking down the sensors, sticking their two middle finger fingers out to the world and saying, ha, now we're going to make nuclear weapons. At that point, we still have years to head them off. 
because it would still take them years to enrich enough uranium to above 90% U-235, weapons grade, in order to make a, you know, a half dozen simple uh, gun-type uh, gun type nuclear weapons. Uh, they have uh, not the ability to do implosion-type nukes, which means they need more to do a gun-type nuke. Uh, they do not have the ability to deliver if they did have nukes, which they don't, uh, to the United States, and probably not even to Israel. Um, and everything that everyone has ever said to you, contrary to what I just said, is a damn liar. It's as simple as that. There is no nuclear weapons program in Iran. And now what happened last week? The Iranians write a letter to the IAEA saying, Dear IAEA, we are declaring a new facility that we plan on opening in 18, to 18 months to two years from now. And uh, we just wanted to make sure you guys know, as per our safeguards agreement, which says that they must notify the IAEA before six months, this, pardon me, six months before they introduce uh, nuclear material into any of these facilities. And so they're perfectly within their rights. They write a letter to the IAEA announcing, okay, here's a new facility. We're declaring it. We don't have – it's an empty warehouse. It's an empty concrete building. There's not a single centrifuge in there, much less nuclear material. <laughs> and here you go, though. We're, we're, we plan on making it a centrifuge site one day, they say, and we intend to you know, have inspectors and have it safeguarded and everything else. And then Barack Obama comes out four days later. This is the best that they could do, seriously. It's come out four days later with the French and the British and everybody standing around and pretend that they were blowing the lid off of a secret Iranian nuclear weapons site. Well, I'm here to tell you. They are lying to you. And there's really no other explanation for that, is there, other than they hate you. They have no respect, not one bit of respect for a single life in this country. They want you to give your son to them to die for lies, to die for the threat of a nuclear weapons program in Iran that does not exist. So, Scott, what do you think this is really about? I know, coincidentally, Iran just went off the dollar and on the euro to sell their oil, and that's exactly what happened to Saddam Hussein a few months before we invaded, or we, our government, invaded Iraq, was that he actually stopped using the dollar to trade oil. Do you think that has anything to do with it? I mean, why are they uh, rattling no, the sabers really, like this? I'm, I'm not too sure about that. You know, I actually emailed back and forth with a, a British guy who, uh, he wrote a couple articles in the Asia Times about this. Uh, and he talked about how it was his idea for the Iranians to make their own oil bores. And, geez, he didn't mean no harm by it at all. He was just saying, hey, this would be a good, guy, a good way for you guys to make some money and what have you. And then I've had uh, some others, although I wish I could remember off the top of my head, explain to me that uh, the change from Iraq or Iran uh, trying to denominate their oil sales in euros is, is not enough at all to disturb America's reserve uh, currency status. It's, of course, all the inflation that we're doing. That, well, well, that's true. That, that by by really itself. Causing the problem. That's true. By but itself, I, I really it wouldn't. Don't know. I mean, I really should just tell you, I don't know enough about that, honestly. See, by itself, it would Certainly wouldn't. something to look into. But, uh, and the yeah. question, what is it about then? It's about Israel. It's because, and, and Scott Ritter, who is, I recommend as high as I possibly can, Scott Ritter, to come on your show and explain this stuff to you. He wrote an excellent book. It's called Target Iran. And what he says in there is that to the Israelis, if the Iranians have a nuclear program at all, then that is tantamount to having a nuclear weapon like hanging over Tel Aviv like the sword of Damocles. Okay, except here's the thing. This ain't tantamount to that. And tantamount is a fun word for I'm lying now. 
And just because they have a uranium enrichment program there does not mean that they're making weapons out of it. And it's not tantamount to them making weapons out of it. But the Israeli policy is that we will not tolerate a single centrifuge to spin in Iran. Never mind that... uh, you know, America, Israel's proxy in this case, is a signatory to the Non-Proliferation Treaty, and we are bound to respect Iran's, quote, unalienable right to peaceful nuclear technology without discrimination. Uh, the threat is on for war against this, you know, I'm not, I won't say they're helpless. They're helpless to really hurt us here in any kind of direct attack, but uh, they can certainly hurt Israel from where they are. They can, uh, by launching missiles, I, they cannot field an army across Iraq and Jordan and into Israel. Anybody no. tells you that's a liar. That'd be nice. uh, but they can certainly threaten American soldiers uh, in their bases all over Iraq. You've got to guarantee the Iranians have every single base within the crosshairs of a missile ready to fire at any given time if we start bombing them. Same thing for our soldiers stationed in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, when I interviewed Scott Ritter on my radio show about this yesterday, he was saying, no, listen, I want you to picture helicopters shot down, planes shot down, uh, men uh, dying and stranded behind enemy lines. I want you to picture the Straits of Hormuz closed by the Iranians. And, and, and they say, oh, yeah, we'll just reopen the Straits of Hormuz. Yeah, you and what army? Our army is busy yeah. right now. And uh, we have no one to reopen the Straits of Hormuz if we get into a war with the Iranians and they close it. I mean, we are really flirting with absolute disaster here. Uh, it, the, and, you know, so far Obama's only really threatening uh, blockade, which is, of course, an act of war. Yeah. And, and wants to simply starve the civilian population of Afghanistan until they rise up and do our will and overthrow the Ayatollah. Yeah, that's going to happen. Uh, Works so well we in are Cuba. on the road to war. A blockade is an act of war. And this has got to be stopped, and it's all based on lies. It is all based on one big, bright, shining lie that virtually everyone accepts as gospel that the Iranians are making nuclear weapons. And I'll say one more thing about that before I be quiet, and that is that the CIA and all the other American intelligence agencies, all of them, came together in a consensus in November 2007, and they said there is no nuclear weapons program in Iran. They decided back in 2003 they were not going to pursue a nuclear weapons program. In last March uh, 2009, Admiral Dennis Blair, the uh, Director of National Intelligence, testified under oath, under cross-examination from Carl Levin and John McCain in the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee, that they still stand by that. And Newsweek reported, week before last, that on the White House desk right now is a new CIA report updating that NIE and telling Barack Obama that the entirety of the American intelligence establishment agrees that the Iranians have not made a decision to pursue nuclear weapons, that what they have is not a nuclear weapons program. And, of course, the CIA has known, and, and the rest of them have known about this so-called new secret facility this whole time. And they didn't say that that means it's a weapons program either. And that ought to be the end of that. But it's not, because all war is based on deception. That's as right, Sun and Tzu all detail about nuclear things are left to the imagination, because nobody understands nuclear things. If the government threatens you with something nuclear, you better be scared, right? What are you supposed to do? Sit there and try to figure out the difference between weapons-grade and industrial-grade uranium? I, I don't know the difference. Me either. Well, I'll tell you how you can know. You can read antiwar.com slash Prather. Dr. Gordon Prather used to make nuclear bombs for a living, and he writes about this every weekend, and he's, uh, as far as I can tell, infallible. So check that out. Got it. Scott, we have to run. we got to do the, the show, but uh, thank you for your time, and I appreciate you uh, you know, uh, enlightening us here. Uh, 
Uh, well, I sure appreciate you having me on and having the opportunity to vent. Hopefully it'll happen again soon. Thanks, Scott. That's Scott Great, Horton, antiwar.com. As a small business owner, you know that communication between clients and employees is essential to your company's success. Email is part of your company's DNA, but you didn't get into business to manage email. It's time to evolve with DNAmail.com. Get Microsoft Exchange-hosted email services with free activation and setup, 24-7 support, and 99.99% guaranteed uptime, all starting at $8.95 a month. DNA Mail even supports your BlackBerry and iPhone and offers a free Microsoft SharePoint Internet portal to keep everyone connected. Look, you know what it costs to set up an email system. Don't blow your budget on fighting viruses and having an IT specialist on call. Save time and money with DNAMail.com. Every standard or unlimited exchange mailbox will get a free copy of Microsoft Outlook 2007 or Entourage 2008. Call us at 800-628-3204. That's 800-628-3204. Or visit DNAMail.com and join the evolution.